Hello, you'll see in Tatako Spirit MA Cast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Yo! Today's episode is our first impressions for the fall 2023 anime season. It's probably gonna be like four parts. <laughs> I just like feel like it's gonna be four parts. I don't know. We'll see. We always we always try, struggle between the idea of rushing through all of them to get it done in like two or three parts and then like just go with the flow. I think we'll just go with the flow. Usually that's what we if do. Some, if some shows are in episode eight already before we do our first impressions, whatever. Just whatever's enjoyable. Uh, but yes, we have like, what was it? What did, what did we say? It was like 70? 70 something. Like some, yeah, 70 some shows. I'm I'm like, I'm almost too done with my first impressions on all the shows that I want to do. And it's like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm exhausted at this point. I'm like, I'm ready to start dumping some shows. Um, so yeah, I'm not, like we mentioned last podcast, I'm not, I'm not doing full reviews of all these shows. Just, it's an impossibility. We were talking about like 35 hours a week of just watching. Yep. Yeah, not happening. But yes, we're from AtakaSpirit.com. It's where we can go for all of our links, social media links, ways to get a hold of us. And yes, ways of supporting us monetarily through Patreon, tips, links, all that good stuff. If you're on YouTube, you can become a member of the channel or drop us a super. We really appreciate it. So yes, without further ado, let's just jump into it because we got a lot to go through. And I want to keep Chris all night because I'm sure his doggies will be really mad. I know that's why that one dog goes crazy. I get there and she's like, Oh yeah, let me act like a like a princess, and then when you get close, I'll take your neck because you keep him busy all the time. <laughs> it's one of those kind of dogs. Anyways, uh, my daughter left the nest and returned an S rank adventurer, or Bokinsha ni Naritai to Miyako ni Dete Ita Musume ga S rank ni Natate. <laughs> Long title. Uh, being done by Typhoon Graphics, uh, based on a sort uh, light novel. Genres are adventure fantasy. And uh, yeah, this one opens up with Angeline, or Angie for short. And Angie was, well, it opens up technically by Belgrieve, which is this guy who was an adventurer. He got injured. His leg got bit by this shadow wolf looking thing. And he had to stop being an adventurer. He starts living in this small little village. At some point, he's out in the forest looking for stuff. And then eventually bumps upon a little, little baby carriage, a little baby inside there. And he notes that there's like this kind of, this like circle whatever formed with some herbs and stuff like that so he assumes that they were she was left there you know on purpose it wasn't like a, somebody oops lost the baby it was abandoned so he decides to take the child and raise it as his own and yes this ends up being Anji and Anji really quickly as she's growing up he's training her to be a swordsman eventually she wants to be just like her father and become an adventurer so at the age of 12 she leaves and goes to become an adventurer and yes as the title leads you to believe she becomes an S rank and then she wants to come home really badly because she loves her dad. And so for a while, it kind of follows two different perspectives. One is Anj, Anji as she's doing her her adventure work all the time, wanting to go home, take a vacation. But it's like the area has a shortage of adventurers and all the good adventurers have retired. And so they're overworking her because she's super skilled and she's able to do all these really tough jobs. But at the same time, she wants to go home, but but they can't let her. And every time she attempts to go home, like, she, they, finally she gets a moment to go home. <laughs> She's on the way home, and she ends up running into some, like, daughter of a, a countess, and, and she's protect, you know, saves her. And then she's like, oh, my dad's dying. I need to go see him. And she's like, okay, we're, skip going home. We got to get this girl back to her dad, because obviously she loves her dad, too. So we got to get her to her dad. Um, so, yeah, everything kind of works against her. On the other side of the whole story, we get Belgrieve as he's living in the small village. Um, there's a lot of like emphasis on the idea that he feels like he's, you know, not as great as she was, um, wasn't a successful adventurer. He was E rank, 
Um, but he's really, really strong. You probably think he's an S rank. It's just he didn't get far enough, I guess. Uh, at the same time, people keep showing up at the village to want to repay Anji because she wouldn't take any reward. Like the Countess lady, she wanted to give him a big reward, and she's like, I'll just give it to my dad. Uh, then the 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 new lead of the this particular family, the uh, Bordeaux family, she ends up showing up and wants to bring Belgrieve into their family. And he's like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm staying here. And then eventually she finally gets to come home. Spoiler. So your thoughts on my daughter left the nest and be returned an S rank adventurer. I, I generally find this, this show enjoyable. It's, it's kind of got this sweet kind of undertone of, yeah, I, I, I can see the, the argument that could be made for kind of, um, daughters a little bit too kind of, uh, obsessed with her daddy. But at the same time, I just see this as a kind of sweet little doty daughter, um, and, and a dad who's just kind of trying to find his place in being a role model for her, for his daughter. And the, the problem that he faces is that he feels like he's, um, not not strong enough and yet at the same time he's super proud of his daughter that is easily over um overtaking him and his place as as an adventurer so it's got this really sweet undertone and i really do enjoy it the characters are pretty enjoyable as far as i can tell um i ha- i can't can't really place my finger on anybody who's kind of really just not worked for me um, so yeah, all around, I, I have really, really enjoyed it. Have you met the Ilya wannabe girl? The girl that's a one, the girl that looks like Ilya. I don't know. I just seen her picture and I was like, oh, look, it's Ilya. No, I haven't <laughs> seen her yet. Apparently Ilya's in the show and <laughs> legit looks just like Ilya. Um, no, there, there, I'm two sides on this one. The first side is I, I like the concept. I love, I love this aspect of father daughter and I love this aspect of, him raising her, her being extremely proud of her father, her blowing up to everybody how her father is the Red Ogre, the amazing Red Ogre. He's so amazing. I like that idea that she has that admiration for her father. And yes, technically he did save her life. And and you and you like to see kind of that side of his story and how he's moving on with his life and has all these opportunities open to, open to him. But he decides that this is the place I need to be. The people need me. The children need me. He's helping, you know, basically train the children and survivability and all that kind of stuff. He's a really cool dude. And I like that admiration that she has for him. Problem is, I, 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 not that I can't stand her, but I, it is funny. When we see the PV, I was afraid of her because I was like, oh, God, she looks, she looks annoying. <laughs> like she was always angry in the PV because obviously every clip where she's saying she wants to go home and she's not allowed to go home was in the PV. So they wanted to show every single clip where she's angry. And I was like, oh, I hope she's not really annoying. She's annoying for a different reason. And that's more in the idea that she has nothing to her character but the fact that she loves her dad. And that was that has been my concern the whole time. And it wasn't until like, I don't know, three or four episode. There's this point in which she finally kind of decrees to everybody that she she wants to protect the people. Like she has a desire to protect the people. Not that she wants to follow in her father's footsteps and be and to protect people she wants to protect people and i was like well okay she actually has character she's talking about something besides her dad <laughs> but everything else besides that was literally where's dad i want to go home to dad i need to go home dad why don't you guys get this stuff figured out i gotta go back home to dad uh, my dad's so great you want to talk about red ogre he's so amazing oh oh you want to talk about dad okay talk about dad 
and it got it's like partially not that it got annoying it's not there there is a repetitiveness to it but it's more the fact that it made me very disappointed in this character's writing in anji because she has nothing going for her besides the fact that she loves her dad and i'm like please tell me there's something more to this character please tell me please tell me that her being away from the nest for what was it six years before she finally came home for that one time about that, yeah. Five or six years, she's been away it from her five, father. It was five to get to the, um, when she went home and, uh, or she was trying to go home and she bumped into it. And so she had to go back because she didn't make it home. And then she was, it was another year before she got her next vacation. And that yeah. was when they brought in the retirees. It, the point is, is that many years and this girl has nothing outside of that. And now you can make the argument is because she's overworked. That's why she has no hobbies. She has no other people that she knows besides she barely even knows her party members we're watching way late in their adventures together and she still doesn't know jack squad they're telling her finally about the fact they're orphans and it's like she knows nothing about anything but her dad and she doesn't want to talk about anything but her dad and it's like after that many years of being away you have no life besides i want to go home to dad and fight monsters that was my biggest frustration that i was having because Yes, this is a goofy fantasy show, but this is also technically a very, it's going for a slice of life feel, and you get that from Belgrieve. Belgrieve, it feels very grounded in slice of life. This feels like an adventure show where it's about people and their experiences together and surviving and moving on and having a life. It's kind of like a slow life, uh, you know, kick from the hero's party, I get a slow life type of show where you're now suddenly just, you know, helping the locals and stuff like that. And I like that ki- I like that balance that it was technically doing for the first episodes and the idea that on this side it's Angie and she's going out fighting stuff and on this side it's Belgrieve and he's taking care of the village. Um, and everything that kind of happens over here reflects over here. But I didn't feel like there was enough there's not enough here to chew on half of the show and that's my biggest struggle that I have with it. Um, I know that a lot of people had my had frustrations with me joking about the idea that this is a show that's going to probably eventually or a story like novel that probably eventually ends up with Angie you know marrying Belgrieve, but that's not really my concern. I, I, I will probably never get there. Does it doesn't affect the story? Is it as it is now? And the story as it is now is, please give me something besides. Oh, she really loves her dad. <laughs> I don't care <laughs> at this point. I don't care. Um, other than that, it's not a great looking show. It's it's serviceable, but at the same time, it's not a, a great looking show. And um, yeah, overall, just. Kind of repetitive of a show in the end. It, it, it kind of it got kind of frustrating after a while. I kind of wanted something more in there. And the the brief moments that we do get of the two of them, I think, is really special. And I do love that kind of um, family relationship kind of stuff. Just, I guess the writer needs to tone down how much it applies to the girl's life when she's away from father for so long. But yeah, that's my, that's my, that's my thoughts. Do you like Maria? The uh, old lady? Uh, Maria? I, I, I heard her vo- uh, voice actress and I was like, yes, I love her. Oh, she was the one that when they went out to to take out that. Yeah. The demon. Yeah. Yeah. I think I remember that. Uh, was a little, a little surprised by uh, a certain somebody's hat coming off. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I wonder if I didn't recognize no, her when, when, she, no, when so they funny. were in the bath. I was like, who the heck is that? <laughs> no, it was funny because I was I was uh, on Discord with somebody. and I was like, the moment that reveal happened, I took a screenshot and sent it over like, hey, look, something cool happened. And that's right. <laughs> and then I said, um, now watch. They don't even address the idea of why she's had 
and I'm I don't remember what I said. I don't know if I if I said let watch us get like a whole explanation about how she's being discriminated. That's why she keeps the hat on. Um, wait, no, never mind. They won't do that because the story doesn't want to bother with any deep storylines. And then sure enough, the next scene they talk about it. And I'm like, okay, proved me wrong. Shut up, Andrew. Um, <laughs> uh, anyways, I thought they did that really good. That was well done. Yeah. Oh, you were you were, you had cold ears. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, he's so he's so he's cute. so nice. <laughs> Such a nice Belgrave red ogre dude. Uh, Belgrave's great. Belgrave is great. Though. He is awesome. He is a very cool dude. I I, I got a kick out of the fact when um, the Bordeaux family came over there and wanted to hand over a bunch of money because Angie's like, no, I don't want it. Give it to Dad. <laughs> and he shows up and she's like, literally, he's like, No, I don't want it. And she's like, Well, it'll like dishonor us or something like that if you don't take. It. He's like. Oh, okay. Fine then. I'll I'll just put it off the side until <laughs> Anji gets older, I guess. <laughs> Eventually, she'll need money. Maybe she'll lose a leg, and she'll have to use the money too. Don't say that. Anyways, my daughter left the nest and became an S rank Avenger. Our dating story. Are you ready for your dating story? I only watched wait, one episode. Wait, no. I, I'm I'm looking. See, you have to catch me. If I scroll down this screen, I'm doing it wrong. I have a list over here. I have a list based on when they started. So at least. Chris has a long period of time to get around to him. No, our next one is the the most controversial. Yeah, literally the most controversial show of the season. Can you guess, Chris? Most controversial. Like I'm, I'm being serious. I'm not joking. It's literally the most controversial show of the season. I have no clue. A girl and her guard dog. <laughs> nope, I did not watch it. Oh. Good for you. <laughs> this one's Ojo to Bankenkun. This one's streamed on Crunchyroll for th- running for 13 episodes, done by Project Number Nine, based off of a manga. Genres are drama, romance. And this one opens up with a girl named Isaku Sin- uh, Sinagaki, and she, when she was, was it five years old? Yeah, five years old. She lost her parents. Chris, it's the return of the dreaded trope: car accident. It's been a while. I can't think of the last... Well, there was the mother that died in uh, Taisho Tomi, but man, that, that whole trope of the parents dying in a car accident and that's why I live alone has kind of disappeared. It's been a while. But uh, yeah, they die in a car accident. Turns out her grandfather takes her in and her grandfather is pretty much a mob boss. Like, he's a leader of a Yakuza group. And so she's brought in. She's pretty much referred to by everybody as the grandfather or the uh, boss's granddaughter. And she quickly meets Kaya Uto. And Kaya Uto, who is about, was 11 years older than her. Uh, yeah, 11 years older than her. So he would have been, what, uh, 16? He is assigned to be her bodyguard. And she immediately is like, I just want my parents. Where's my mom and dad? He's like, don't worry. I'll be your mom. I'll be your dad. She's like, well, you're not old enough. You're like a brother. Okay, and I'll be your, I'll be your older brother too. And so he starts taking care of her, being her bodyguard and everything. And eventually when she gets to... Um, the age of 15, going to high school, she picks a high school way far away. <laughs> like, she wants to get as far away from granddad as possible. She wants to get away from the Yakuza. It, it shows us a brief clip where she's, like, going to school when she's, like, five, and all the all of her friends that she had were pretty much all, like, oh, I'm sorry, we, we can't, mom said to not hang out with you anymore because your dad's part of the Yakuza. They're, like, all afraid of her. So she wants to get away from the Yakuza because it's affecting her relationships. And so when she goes to this new school, she gets there and she's like, oh, crap, I got to get the courage to start talking to people and everything. It's the first day, uh, the dreaded first day everybody meets and nobody becomes friends with each other after that. You, you make your pairings the first day. and If you don't nail that, you're done. 
Mm-hmm. I always love that. I wonder how true that is. I mean, I can kind of see that, but I don't really remember that in school. Like, granted, I never changed. Well, I did change schools, but I just didn't care after that. So I guess it doesn't matter. From In my perspective, it didn't work. Anyways, um, she gets there. She immediately trips over her own foot somehow, and she's caught by a handsome man. You can't guess who that would be, Chris. Kaya. Probably the guy, the 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 guy who makes all the faces. The, the and, grandfather. <laughs> he shows up. I I enlisted in the school. I'll be at your school too. Don't worry, granddaughter. No, Kaya. Um, her guardian, her bodyguard shows up. He says, "Yeah, I, I worked it out with granddad. I gotta protect you. I got I got some hookups in the with the uh, principal and." gotten listed in here even though he's 25 years old he's now sitting sitting in a classroom with a bunch of high schoolers and nobody can tell that he's a high schooler uh no actually there is some girls that actually point that out they're like you don't look like you're 16 you look like more like you're 26 yeah called it but now he, he, he's going there because he's afraid you know he wants to protect her and also additionally yes that high school's full of boys that are dangerous and she doesn't need to be around those kind of boys so every time boys come up to her he kind of intimidates them and scares them away um, over time, what you kind of get a sense of is on one end, from Isaku's perspective, it's her trying to get away from Kaya. Yes, initially it is, I want to get away from the Yakuza, but it is also because she wants to get away from this quote-unquote one-sided relationship. She loves Kaya and thinks that he'd never return that, and she's trying to get away from that. She wants to go find actual love. So there's often a lot of cases where she meets somebody, like uh, this guy Tamaru, and she's like, I, I hope that this can work out, that I can have a relationship with this guy because I need to kind of find that at the same time she's struggling with the fact of actually meeting people because she blamed always before that the reason that she never had friends is because she had everybody afraid of the yakuza but now that she's alone away from her family she's not doing a really good job of it she's like well that's suddenly realizing it's more a me thing than really them because i'm not good at finding people seeing her kind of push herself to learn volleyball so that she can help the class so that she can get friends was really sweet at the same time, she's kind of noticing the idea that more that she tries to push away Kaya and meet other people and get out there, she's starting to crave him more. She's she's missing him. She's wanting him more. On the opposite end, Kaya is... I don't know yet. <laughs> Initial impressions is that, yes, he's like very overly protective of her. He's been pretty much protecting her for a good 10 years now, and she's... Now more outgoing, and it's affecting him. And that he points out the idea that I don't know if it's an aspect that most people say that when you, when a parent, you know, has their daughter or whatever leave the house, it hurts them. And they, they they feel abandoned. They feel that anxiety. I'm starting to feel that. So maybe that's the same thing. And then at the same time, he's making requests for things like to kiss her, and how he's talking about, you know, I work a lot with a lot of you know clubs and stuff like that. And I always associated kissing with having sex. And now I just have the desire to kiss you. And I want to see if you can teach me how that works. And so it's already kind of drifting into the realm of kind of like, oh, yeah, this dude's totally um, going after her. So it's a mixture of her trying to get away from him, move on with her life, and experience things for the first time. While at the same time on his end, it's probably cold Yakuza boy that is learning love. And of course, the problem that comes from all that is that yes 15 year old and a 26 year old so that's where the big question marks fly up initially i thought this show was going to have two major problems or controversies one is the age gap uh 15 year old and 26 year old and the other is the all the pvs and stuff kind of laid it out like this is his this is her dad like he wanted to become her dad 
but it kind of played out her early age up until 15 is that her grandfather was her father technically she was brought in by her grandfather he said that i'll be your papa or whatever but i don't think he was it never it hasn't really indicated that he's a father figure it's always indicated that she's he's like a big brother that's always taking care of her so i don't think it's that at least it doesn't have that like that creepy card is not in there but the other creepy part's still in there um but yeah okay so the show and and again i've i've never really cared so much for like throwing things out just for the sake of it being like age gap stories or whatever um i'm always kind of interested to see what the story does that's why i checked out higahiro and i thought that did it really well um koi kimo all these other shows that have age gap just to see what story they're planning on telling i mean after the rain's another good example i think after rain's pretty darn close to this idea of the idea of a much older gentleman and a much younger girl but um i'm always willing to check it out if it's got a good story to tell in there Yes, when it gets to that point where suddenly Kaya is jumping on her, which she's pretty much already done so far, but not really gone too far with it, um, that's when it probably gets a little questionable. The story itself is okay. I'm not... It's not a, It's not an engaging story whatsoever. I think the earlier episodes were really solid in the idea of seeing Isaku trying to get out and meet people, her struggles, her blaming the fact that her family was the reason why she never had friends... Her, person, her pushing herself in order to get out there and meet people was really sweet. I, I thought that was really fantastic. And then, yeah, I, I was fine with the idea of Kaya, you know, popping up every now and then and beating up a guy for forcing himself on her when they were in a karaoke place. You know, him coming in there and taking this guy and bashing his head into the table like 15 times before she says stop. <laughs> taking her out of there and, you know, having that little moment of, you know, did he touch you? Did he do anything to you kind of thing? It was like that. It kind of gets in that whole big brother comes in and saves the girl kind of aspect. Um, and I'm, I was kind of fine with the whole idea of her kind of helping him out with his studies because his grades suck, even though he's technically just faking getting in there anyways. Um, still her kind of helping with studies, transitioning to having a date and all that kind of stuff was was fine. But I, I think my, my biggest struggle that I have with the show so far is that I don't really, I'm not feeling Kaya at all. And I, and I think that's the problem with a show like this that is a quote-unquote romance is that you kind of need to get both sides. I get Isaku. I get a girl that's crushing on a guy that's been, you know, basically filling a gap for her for a long time. I get the idea that she felt, you know, terrible after losing her family and then she got this guy comes in and pretty much sweeps her off her feet and protects her. I get all that side. I get Isaku's side. I get her struggle. I get her desire to get away from this guy and this, that that desire to get back to it, that feeling of I need to, I, I feel like every time I get further away, I want to get closer. The biggest problem the show has is Kaya. I don't get him. And like I said, you can probably chop it up as Yakuza boy, hardened, you know, kills people all the time, beats them up and all this kind of stuff. And now he's finally learning love. But I don't, I don't really, I don't really feel it at all. He just feels so blank. He feels so deaf. And, and I think that a lot of that has to do with it. This is, from what I understand, from a shoujo manga. And that's technically an archetype they love. They love that mean, cold guy that just forces himself on the cute little girl all the time. That's It's a massive trope with shoujo. And I've watched quite a bit of them. And they... Ultimately, in the end, they never they never do anything with it. That's not to say this is not going to do anything with it. I'm just saying it, it feels like we're going down that same route, that it doesn't really, 
that there probably won't be because this is something that is an archetype that is enjoyed in the fandom. That's mainly why I say it. It's an it's an it's a an enjoyed archetype in this type of genre, and whether it's going to break from that or not is the massive question mark. But I don't know that I care to stick around to see it. <laughs> it's not that I, there's nothing in here. There's no. The chemistry, the comedy that they kind of sprinkle in there, none of it is working for me. So I don't know that I necessarily want to stick around to find out. Um, the other problem is the show is not great looking. I think she's got a unique style to her and they're trying really hard to try to capture that style. But it seems like every scene, she looks different. Um, one scene, her eyes look weird. One scene, her eyes are huge. One scene, her lips look like she's a chickmunk. One scene, her lips look normal. This other scene, her, her hairline's running away from her eyebrows for some reason. Um, her design is all over the place, so the studio is not keeping very consistent with her at all. And on the opposite end, Kaya looks like he's Tokyo Revengers character reject. I don't know. Maybe he didn't get the audition and they just kind of said, don't worry. We got another show for you to jump into. And they just pulled, they pulled K over here. They're like, oh, that's sorry. We got plenty of people to star in the next Tokyo Revengers. Go star in a girl in our guard dog. Um, he's got that kind of like just thick line thing going on. Very bulky. Um, I, I just don't think he fits the, the environment. Like n no other character looks like him. Well, I mean, there's other characters that are coming up that will probably look more like him. But the characters that are on the scene so far, that none of them look like him. So, yeah. Um, it's fine. It's like in the middle area. Like, it's in a, it's a very middle area show. It's not doing anything that's annoying. It's not doing anything great. So, and it's super controversial. So, that'll probably be a turnoff for most people. So, what do you think? You going to check it out? Probably not. <laughs> check it out. I mean, I like my shoujo shows, but I don't know this one. It's not not really sounding like it's gonna hit hit well for me. There's there's a lot of opportunities for it to do. I mean, it, that was kind of like um, I know it's a completely different show, different genre and everything. Um, the uh, Yaika girl one, the Yakuza's Guide to Babysitting. It's kind of like that whole thing where it's like. There's so many cool storylines you can do out of the Yakuza perspective. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, they dabbled a little bit in the idea that at some point he gets attacked by somebody and he, he beats the crap out of the guy. But she heard a gunshot, so she runs back to him. And she's like, oh, yeah, that reminded me that that was one of the reasons why she was trying to get away from him is that she's afraid she's going to turn a corner one day and he's going to end up dead because she knows what he's doing. She knows that she's a part of her family, but it doesn't get into it enough. Like, it doesn't feel like it wants to get into it. This show does not. This feel. This show feels like almost like it uses the Yakuza thing as a backdrop for everything forward, but never to use it within the story. Now, granted, here in the recent episode, slight spoilers, she gets kidnapped, and they can probably get into more then. But it always feels like that story is a backdrop. Like it's not part of the story. It's just him being superly clingy to her. So, I don't know. I might. I might give it one more episode because I'm curious to see what happens with the kidnapping. It's probably just going to be Kaya shows up and beats the crap out of everybody and carries her out with a couple scars on his shoulders and she goes oh doki doki but who knows they might do something probably not <laughs> girl and her guard dog over here um Ferrin, chris it's time Ferrin, are you ready to talk I about told this show you. i need to i need uh need until next week on that one are you serious yes how many episodes you watched so far none that's my focus for next week. Oh, I thought about Apothecary Diaries. Okay, guys, sorry. We're not talking about Ferrin because Chris is 
Requesting one more week. Slacking. Requesting. What about Firefire Daigo? Did you check out Firefire Daigo? Heck no. You didn't watch the Firefire Daigo? No. Why not? Because that one is really low on my interest list. <laughs> you I don't, I'm going to get into the joke already. I'm, I should wait. Firefire Daigo, Rescue, Rescuer in Orange, uh, Megami no Daigo, Kyokoku no Orange. We know my brain's base, sources of manga, genres are action and drama. Of course, this is by the creator Masahito Soda, who did Kapita uh, and the original Firefire Daigo. I don't know if this is tied at all to the original Firefire Daigo. I think this guy's, I think the main character is related to the character from the first. I don't know. I just went straight into the show. So if, if I'm missing something, I apologize. No, I don't. But no, this one opens up with this like uh, training boot camp place where they're training firefighters. And we have Daigo, uh, Toaki, uh, Shun, Odada, and Yuki Nakamura. Uh, the basic idea between these characters, you have uh, Toaki is like a prodigy. This dude's good at everything. He's very hardworking. You'll, you'll get a quick sense that at first it seems like he's a, a snotty, I, I'm good at everything kind of person. But then you'll kind of see here and there that this dude's putting in some major effort. Then we have most perspective in these first episodes is Onada, and he's the guy that's constantly chasing after Tawake. He's trying to out, you know, outshine him or whatever. He's the he's the rookie that just wants to wants to show up the other person. And then we have Nakamura, who is a very rare case of a female firefighter, so she's obviously dealing with a lot of issues and the idea of okay. One of the interesting things to kind of note with like I think it was at like the end of the third episode is this idea that she just hates the fact that she wants to be she has this desire to be a firefighter. I think they were kind of implying this idea that maybe her father was a firefighter and that died and that she wants to follow in his footsteps or something like that. Uh, but she's 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 struggling because she's angry at the fact that she was born a woman because she has to work extra hard in order to gain that same um, build and whatnot that the men do. Um, so that's kind of the setup of the third, the three main characters. In the first, I think it was the full, first full two episodes, I'm, at the very beginning it opens up with um, the characters helping with this big, massive um, catastrophe. I don't know exactly what happened, um, but there's things falling from the sky, and early shots of it, it looked like they were just clumps of mud that were falling there. I, I almost thought that it might be like, maybe there was planes that were ejecting their toilets, and it was just falling down Tokyo. Um... Then I thought maybe it was a kaiju attack, like this this kaiju, like they remember like maybe like kaiju monsters that were falling from the sky, and then later on shots, they were on fire as they're falling down. So maybe the first shots they forgot to add the flame effect to the animation as they were coming down. So I'm thinking either like a crazy meteor shower, but they would be bigger impacts. Like these big clumps, they would probably make bigger craters. So they can't be meteors, so they have to be volcanic. Um, so maybe. Uh, isn't Mount Fuji pretty close to Tokyo? What's yeah. close to Tokyo? It's it was probably an eruption then. So I'm guessing an eruption, and which would cause an earthquake kind of catastrophe as well as if it was that, that impactful. That would be fire as well. That's what I mean. I mean it, it's 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 all encompassing, but I mean the fireball things coming down is probably chunks being shot out from there. But I didn't see any ash, so I kind of assumed it might not have been volcano. I don't know. Something bad happens in Tokyo. Short stories. Our short, uh, <laughs> long-term story short. They're saving people, and it kind of shows this idea of 
Daigo kind of rushing back in there while Shun's yelling at him about not coming back. I'm getting the first names and last names, sorry. Toake rushes in there and, and Onoda is yelling at him to come back and eventually kind of kind of falls together as they finish that one building and saving people. And Onoda is yelling at Toake and Toake's like, you know, look, I knew that you had my back. He 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 wasn't communicating with him, and it was because he was he was um, regulating his breathing patterns, which is kind of a thing that leads into the whole show. Is this this show is so far? I would say probably fifty percent of it is very so much so like firefighting one hundred and one. Like they get into a lot of um, communication that they do, methods that they use for saving people. A lot of the equipment, they get into a lot of that stuff. A lot of their exercise and routines are kind of dug in there as well, showing how they prepare for things, um, which I do find fascinating because I'm not like a big, I'm not like big into firefighters. And like I mentioned before, when we first had this announced, I was kind of like, I kind of wanted Fire Force to do that because the earlier episodes of Fire Force was kind of giving you that sense with people going in there and saving people. And so you're kind of getting that. And the other half is like, Mostly the training, but a lot of it in the character setup themselves. Like I said, Daigo Take being like this guy that seemingly is good at everything, but he's a hard worker. But then also getting that sense that he's trying. He implies at some point that somebody figured out who he was. And again, that's where I'm leading into thinking that he's related somehow to a previous Firefire Daigo franchise character. Um, and if that's the case, then yeah, he's probably telling them not to, you know, take, choose favoritism for me or anything like that. Please let me just stay as I am. Um, again, Shun, Shun Onoda has been most the focus of the show in his perspective and how he's, again, chasing after Daigo and wanting to prove himself. At the same time, it seems to imply... I could be wrong here. I think it was in the, the late second or third episode. They, they implied that Shun Onoda confessed to a girl at his school. So he was in high school and he seen this girl that he liked, there was a photo of a firefighter on her phone. And so he goes, he confesses to her in front of everybody and says, I I think you, I, I, you like firefighters, right? I'm going to go become a firefighter. And when I do, can we be together, basically? Like, marry me, essentially. And she, I don't think she responded at all. And then cut forward and it, and he's texting that person. And it's like, oh, wait, that that's the girl. Wait. Yuki, that's Nakamura. So did he, did it, I don't know that it necessarily implied the idea that he knows that the girl that was training alongside him was the girl that he confessed to, <laughs> but he's texting her after he became a firefighter saying, I did it. And it's like, wait, does he know it was her? It, it was weird. I, I I was almost like, did I miss something? Uh, it was kind of funny, but it kind of implies the two, of, he likes her and she tells him drop dead most of the time in the text. So I'm assuming that she might like him or at least she's Sundere and she's slowly accepting him but there's also maybe the aspect that maybe she doesn't want to be with him because again there's a possibility that she knew somebody that died as a firefighter who knows anyways that's all to say that's a lot of setup for the characters and the world and firefighting and not much characters um I mean there's plenty of character chemistry and whatnot but I don't really feel the characters too much so far I think probably because there's so much focus on Onoda but at the same time, I do appreciate a lot of the firefighter stuff. Like they had this whole exercising routine or exercise routine where they um, exercise, where they do the whole real experience where they go inside of a building and and have to save a dummy. And they're given a certain amount of time. If they don't successfully do it in time, they lose or whatever. 
and Onoda ends up using his face mask in order to feed the dummy, even though feed the dummy air, even though the dummy is a dummy. And that was just him kind of envisioning what he was saving was an actual person. And I thought all that stuff was pretty cool. And I, I think if it can continue doing that kind of stuff going forward, and now they're actually technically firefighters, they won't need dummies. But doing those exercises and those routines and showing how they save people, I think it could be cool. But um, it's not like super engaging. So it's not it's not grabbing my attention too much so far. But I don't know I might I might give it a couple more episodes and see if it uh, pans out to something because now that they're finally out of being in training and doing push-ups and stuff, maybe you can do something cool. But yeah, that's Firefire Daigo Rescuers Down Under. I'm sorry, Rescuers in Orange. Overtake? Did you watch El No Zero Racing? Nope. Oh, that one's actually I'm I'm still. I'm still holding my my vote here, but that might be that might turn into a one where it's like I, I might push Chris into watching it because it's actually it's actually a good one. Overtake. Uh, this one is running for 13 episodes done by Troika. Again, the studio that does like recreators. I'll know a zero and a lot of idolish. So I'm really happy they're doing something besides idols for once. Uh, Sources is original. Genres are sports. Um, and this one follows a guy named Koya. And he's going to his next job. He's right alongside Psycho, which they kind of imply later on that it's his ex-wife. Uh, but they're going to their next job. They go to this uh, modeling agency where he's taking photos of boots rather than taking photos of the model. You get a little sense there that this Koya guy has a little bit of a camera shutter shyness. He he has a difficulty in taking pictures of people. What I'm gathering is that he, what it kind of shows is this brief shot of some waves and then it shows a lot of online um, criticisms of people saying that he should have done more. Why were you taking pictures? This is disgusting. Don't post this. I'm thinking he probably maybe took photos of a capsizing boat or something like that. And people are criticizing him for not saving people. Um, but that's made him afraid of taking pictures of people. So he goes to uh, this psycho lady. She basically says, okay, we have uh, this job at a race course. Um, you're going to go there and take some photos of F4 racers uh, because it's all the rage for girls right now. And we're a, a you know, a female magazine. So he goes there, he gets in the back area where all the tents are of all the different um, F4 racing teams, and he immediately goes and meets one of the teams. It was like a big business that has like multiple F4 racers and whatnot. Eventually, he kind of shows him around the place, and Koya ends up stumbling upon this one uh, this one tent where it's not a big business that's running the F4 racing team for that one. It's just a small private company. Um, and yeah, the guy that's you know racing for them is Haruka and... He's like, man, I'll, I'll root for you. And the heart goes like, I don't need your, I don't need your praise. I'm, I'm gonna do everything myself. It's like, oh yeah, that that archetype, <laughs> we got that archetype, Chris. But no, he ends up kind of resolving a little bit of a, a dispute, and the team leader is like wanting to thank him, so he brings him back into the pit stop area, and Koya ends up watching Haruka race. And while he's watching him race, it kind of gives him a little bit of a courage in the idea of watching how hard Haruka's working almost inspires him to want to work hard himself because he's kind of given up on a lot of things. Um, the race ends because Haruka loses a tire, and since they're a cheap, you know, poor private company, they have only four tires, so that's immediately out. Um, he ends up catching Haruka on the side, crying in private. And so he finally takes a picture. He's like, wow, I finally, for once, took a picture of somebody. Like, it, you know, he got over that hurdle. But now this kind of inspired Koya. He decides that he wants to become a sponsor of Haruka's team. <laughs> And then he comes in to find out that F4 racers are kind of expensive. <laughs> a, a photographer's budget or a photographer's 
salary is not going to go very far in a F4 team. Um, but he ends up kind of not letting that hold him back. He ends up going out and trying to finding them sponsors, um, gets them this idea of doing small loans and taking advertisements from different companies, um, all to eventually get a lot of funding for their team and eventually go out racing again. And um, we get a brief little race between Haruka and somebody from his past that really hates his guts. There's another team, like I said, the first team that he ends up, Koya ends up meeting, um, they're a big company and they have like multiple engines and spare racers and stuff like that. Um, they have two racers and one of the racers is Toshiki. And Toshiki is like always kept as a second racer. So whenever they're on the, on the track, these two racers from this one team, he's always the one that stays behind. He's always told, keeping them behind him. He's basically only going to jump up there whenever um, Satsuki, their main racer, actually falls back. Um, and so he's got a lot of bit of issues there, and he really doesn't like Haruka because he believes the reason why they're always keeping him as a second racer is because Haruka cut him off at one point. So, yeah, that's uh, that's all to say Overtake. My thoughts. I really, 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 really like it. Um, there's only one issue the show has, and that's probably just the fact that they use CGI for the F4 Racings, which... Not a big shock. I just, I don't really necessarily see any studio these days actually animating, 2D animating race cars. That said, while they do have a bit of a a baldness to it, I guess is the best way to put it, they, they look like CGI cars. Um, they do a really good job of putting really great camera angles into it. Like, if you ever watch, like, F4 Racing and stuff like that, you'll often see those shots from, like, the sideline where the race cars come around the corner and they come straight towards the camera. And you got that really, you know, long depth of field. They kind of do that same thing with the the CGI racing, and it's like it looks really good. Like they get that little effect in there of like the hot concrete or the hot asphalt and stuff like that. Um, it looks really good. They get the, the perspective shots and everything. They're doing a fantastic a job with it, and that's kind again kind of what I like about Troika as a studio. And technically, um, Aoki, who is the director of it, he's really good at these perspective shots. He's a really great um, director. He did Recreators, Aldnoa Zero, It Invaded. Um, he's a fantastic director. So. I kind of expected that, but at the same time, it does make the races themselves really intense. Like they got, they have great music, they have great sound effect. Um, the setup for each of the races themselves are actually there's a lot of intensity behind it. There's there's like an encouragement behind it that fuels it to be much more um, hype than it should be. This is kind of one of those cases of like um, sports shows that me and Chris talk about often, where you can either be a sports show about sports, or it can be a sports show about the players. This is definitely one that's falling in that second category. The, the players, the characters themselves is what's important. And I like that and I prefer that because it makes the actual races intense and interesting. Just like, again, with that third episode with Toshiki and the idea that he doesn't, he's he's angry because he can't be, he's not the first person for the first racer in this team and they won't give him that position. He asked for it and they won't give it to him. And he blames Haruka. So obviously that makes the next race where Haruka and Toshiki end up bumping into each other, um, it increases the the purpose and the meaning behind that race. I don't expect Haruka to actually win any races right now. They are a private company. It, it, it It's very clear what assets and what resources each of the teams has based on their pockets. You see those big, big company, uh, companies that have, again, tons of dollars to put into their their machines and they have like literally 15 sets of spare tires sitting out there. And then you jump over to Haruka's team. And again, they have one car, they have one racer and they have four tires. 
It's like the the competition is very difficult for those lower companies. They're, they're talking about the idea that they want to build up. They want to get those wins. They want to slowly move up on the on the um, the winnings, you know, get up there to that fourth place, maybe possibly get to third place. You're going to get those sponsors and then you're going to slowly move up the rankings. And that was kind of expressed with the whole idea of Koya getting them sponsors is he literally goes out and he finds a bunch of companies using his, his contacts. They bring them in. There's all these guys lined up, all these businessmen lined up watching the race. And they're like, okay, Haruka got to eighth place. We're not interested. Like, none of these sponsors want to give them any money to put their name on his car when he's not in second or third, first place. They want those people. Um, so there's that difficulty in actually rising up. And they're they're doing a good job of kind of showing that. And it also plays in the idea of this being a really good underdog story. You don't expect Haruka to win immediately, but you do see that, that push, that desire that he wants to get to that. His dream, Haruka's dream is that he wants to get on that podium. Um, his, his inspiration is his father who used to be on that podium. He was in the same team. He had them re, re-spark the team. Um, he wants to get up there on that stage by himself rather than his father carrying him up there. With his father gone, he wants to get up there on his own. And so there is that kind of driving desire to want to see him up there. And um, yeah, that all leads into, outside of all that, I think the characters are fine. I, I, I Koya, I kind of was a little bit off put by at the very beginning because he was again ptsd clicking a shutter button and i think if you understand the idea of you know war uh photographers and stuff like that and the idea that they have to take a lot of very unsettling pictures and there's a lot of people that probably go well why don't you help the person the child that's on the battlefield rather than take a picture of them it's kind of that whole mindset of being the eyes of other people and getting that criticism and so i can kind of see his little um his his upset in that whole situation. I just don't understand how that would prevent him from taking pictures of people rather than just taking pictures in general. But it, it still kind of served its purpose to show that he had this difficulty in the past and how that's going to play out going forward. What is he going to, maybe Haruka's going to in a car accident and he's going to be struggling to take a picture of him. I don't know. It just, I didn't understand why that was even a something that was brought up at the beginning. I don't, I've yet to see where it plays a role whatsoever in the story. Um, other than showing that he had a difficulty in the past. Outside of him, Haruka, like I said, also a bad first impression. I thought he was going to be the, I don't need nobody to support me. I don't, you don't need to cheer me because I'm going to do it all myself. I'm, I'm so, I'm so cool. I'm going to do it all myself. I'm a hard worker. He broke that really quickly. Um, I think once he realized that Koya had like this desire to help him and, and support him, he, he quickly changed his tune. Um, rest of the characters, like I said, not really much into any of the characters besides maybe Toshiki from the other team, which I do appreciate seeing the other team and their perspective because they show us a, a big money, big corporation, uh, team versus a small team. So I'm really liking it so far. The chemistry has been really solid. Um, and like I said, the races are pretty hype, good, great sound, great, uh, great visuals, despite the fact using CGI and I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of it. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with it. So. We'll see if it's going to be a, a worth a Chris. You should go watch it. I'll, I'll give it a I'll give it a little bit more time. I don't think it's quite there yet. I have to be very sparing. I have to be very sparing with my Chris. You got to watch this card. Yep. Already, I think I pulled it today with Apothecary Diaries. I don't know if you were playing on that already. I, I think you were already because it's Aoyuki. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're taking. Ragna Crimson. Did you watch Ragna Crimson? Nope. That's another one that I'm I'm not going to push you at all on that one. <laughs> I don't know how much I want to get into this one. I I completely mostly blanked out with the the remaining like two or three episodes that I watched of it. But um Ragna Crimson pretty much opens up with Ragna 
and he thinks that he's cursed. Everybody believes he's cursed because his parents got killed by dragons. His his adopted family got killed by dragons. Everybody believes that wherever he goes, dragons come to kill him, and they end up killing everybody else, and he's the only one that survives. He's got that little bit of that survivor's remorse going on with them. Is it re- survivor's remorse? Um, what's it? What's the term? It's not survivor's remorse, is it? Pretty or much. Re- regret? It's, it's remorse, right? Right, right, right. Anyways, um, as these guys are, like, beating up on him, saying that he's the one that, the reason the village got attacked, uh, this girl named Leo, uh, Leonica shows up, and Leo is this very young girl, and she tells him, you know, you're not cursed, I'll prove it to you, come with me. He's like, no, don't, I don't want to go with you because you'll get killed by a dragon. She's like, no, trust me, come with me. They go out and they find a dragon, dragon attacks, and he's thinking it's going to happen again, and she just straight kills a dragon. Um, this Leo girl is like a, just a young prodigy, basically. She's super good at with the sword and everything like that. And she pretty much grows, he, he grows up alongside her, supporting her, being basically his maid, taking care of her, washing her back, uh, making her food, uh, all this kind of stuff. Whatever she needs done, he takes care of her, and she just kills things. And that kind of comes to with some criticism. Everybody kind of watches him following her around, and everybody believes that she, you know she's just protecting him and that he's just you know milking off of her. And eventually, one day, he ends up getting confronted by this man that tells him, uh, you can't protect anybody. Leo's going to die. And you can't do anything to get stronger. You're not going to get strong enough to protect her. Keeps coming by and telling him that. And ends up showing him a vision of Leonica dying to a dragon as it's attacking the town. And he gets desperate to want to get stronger. And then eventually, one day, the day that he envisioned happens, where suddenly this dragon shows up in the town and starts killing everybody. And Ragna goes to confront it, and it quickly swats him away. <laughs> and he's then back into his mind again, unconscious, and talking to that old man again, where he discovers that old man is his future self. And that future self tells him, yeah, back then, I couldn't protect Lenica, and you can't either. He's like, well, then give me the power too. And he's like, I was planning on doing that. So he pretty much, all the knowledge and power that he gained in the future of basically making himself into a human weapon he bestows upon young Ragna so that he can become OP character that goes in there and punches things and they die. And he saves Leonica. Yay. That's a good show. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> but no, I, here's where things get a little bit weird is yes. Now he's got super OP form. He's got all the knowledge and everything of the future. He finds out that his future self essentially made this pact with this, um, this dragon trader crimson, um, that the two of them would find out a way to kill all the dragons from the world itself and kill Crimson herself because she's one as well. And their plan was to, again, send that knowledge and everything back in time to Ragna and then have him meet the young Crimson self and the two of them basically do what they failed to do. And that's pretty much been it so far. He kind of, he ends up ditching Leo because he doesn't want her to get hurt. He finds Crimson. Uh, Crimson is crazy and makes him drink a potion that if he disobeys her or him, he'll die. And Crimson pukes up a a slime that consumes everything as well. They end up finding some random village that was attacked, and then they turn Gragna's powers into bullets and machine guns so they can go out and shoot the dragons with machine guns on the back of an SUV. Yeah, I was waiting for Chris to respond to that. You remember that one? What was that one show? Um, what was it like a year ago? Remember that one show where it opened up with? It was like supposed to be an etchy show where this guy was. He it was the one that had the I think he had like a tattoo or something like that with like they, everybody had a tattoo that was like their life or something like that and if they did something good or bad or whatever it would 
they had to do something. It would increase the number or lower the number. And if they ran out, they would die. And he was like a super negative number or something like that. I forget what it was. I want to say that. You, and then at some you point they went to a town. I didn't watch it. Oh, you didn't watch that one? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they went to a town. It was like full on fantasy. And then they went to this one town and suddenly this hole opens up and then helicopters show up and everything. It's like, okay, we're not a, we're not doing like old medieval times fantasy. We're going like whatever. I don't know. Oh, the, um, I remember it now. Um, it's like, it, it's right there, like in the front of my brain. And I keep, it keeps popping up and then it disappears every time I think of the name. But yeah, no, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, I didn't get very far in that. It was a two core show, and I maybe got like three. And then it went, they went into like this. It, it then suddenly it stopped and it went to like a school setting. It was weird. It was really weird. But now this one, uh, Ragnar Crimson. It, what what it, what I'm what I'm guessing is that Crimson again being from the future and stuff like that. She has future technologies and so guns and all that kind of stuff and SUVs and so she opens up this portal to a magical door and there's this big army full of armory full of guns. And again, they're Ragna, the power that his future self figured out was the ability to basically turn himself into um, Silver Sword, which dragons only die to two things, Silver Blades or Sunlight. And so he's able to make his entire body essentially emit Silver Blade. And so, yeah, he's basically turning that power into turning him into bullets, and they use that to kill the dragons while he's unconscious or not able to move. But yeah. And then I, I didn't really catch most of the later part, but there was this whole segment where there was this king and this Ultimatia girl shows up, and I think she's supposed to be like a, a monarch of the dragon god, and she tells the king that um, we're going to kill you all. And he's like, no, you shouldn't. And he's like, no, I'm sorry. I, I really apologize, but we're going to have to kill you all. I killed this other dragon that attacked one of your towns because um, I guess he didn't he did it. Uh, he was out of line or something like that. So they killed one of the other dragons because he attacked one of the towns. But they're going to destroy the towns anyways. Um, and then the king decides to use this massive weapon that they have to attack her. And of course it doesn't do anything because they're OP. But then she revives the king. And he's like, "What? Well, I thought I was dead. And she's like, no, that's fine. I, I, I brought you back. It's okay. And then she says, okay, I'm going to kill everybody. And it's like, okay, why did you bring the king back? Oh, because she wants him to help her by, I guess, making sure that nobody flees, I guess. And I'm like, but you guys can literally level the town. You're, you're showing all this OP ability. You should be able to just level the town with before they can escape. Why are we bothering going the king to have him? It, it's just, it got dumb at that point. <laughs> it got dumb at that point. I think my biggest struggle that I have with this show, and I, it's the thing that's turning me off on it, is I don't care for the villains. And I don't care for Crimson. I don't really care for Ragna either. Leona is Leona is Leona uh, Leona is cute, but she's kind of out of place. I don't, I just don't really feel anything for any of this show. Like none of it. None. Of, I I think it's really it's got a bad character syndrome for me. It, not that it's bad characters, but it's just not for me. These characters do not click for me whatsoever. Did somebody derpy face? Uh, no, actually not. Uh, well, no, Crimson kind of does that. Crimson kind of does that, but she's kind of just crazy, which it's not as bad when the person's just crazy. It's like, yeah, that's, that's just Crimson. She's kind of, of course, going to have a crazy face. Um, no, they kind of did Crimson, the old form kind of did a, um, uh, Kurame, uh, face from Day Live. Got that whole face going on with the two. Oh, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. But it's a dude. I'm going to have to watch it now. But it's a dude. Just to let you know. Crimson's a dude. The original body, yes. Well, Ragnar said that it was a dude. He was dressed up as a maid, and he says it was a guy. And he got mad, and he's like, well, you can be whatever you want to be. And then he turns to Crimson, which Crimson's supposed to be a female, but that's the memories of the Crimson in the future, which is 
a fe- I don't know. Anyways, it's a dragon. Who cares? I don't know. <laughs> it can be whatever it wants to be. But no, I, I think my biggest struggle I have is I just don't care for the villains. I I made a joke with the first impressions uh, that I did for the show, which I think it was like a three, maybe a two episode long um, episode. I made a joke in the idea that it opens up with this idea that this um, this dragon shows up to kill um, and was, again, from the vision that kills Leo. And Leo talks to the dragon and tries to figure out what's going on because the dragons are kind of been, been disappearing for a while. And suddenly I don't know where the dragons are moving. And she's like, well, what's what's causing you guys to suddenly attack? The dragon, this this dragon, which is supposed to be like, he doesn't look like a dragon because he's like, like a human form. And that's like the bigger, like higher level dragons. They have human form for some reason. He says the reason they're attacking is because back at this one town, there's there's this one kingdom that is known that doesn't have any dragon hunters protecting it. And that's because, and they don't, there's no local, there's no knowledge of why the dragons don't attack. What just so happens, that kingdom has a pact with the dragons. They won't attack them. Why? Because their dragon god, their god, essentially likes the cakes this little shop sells and he's a, he likes to regular the place and eat their cakes one day thieves broke into that place and stole from the cake place and i think that i think the anime implies that it, it shut down i even double checked the the manga to make sure this is actually how it was worded um but yeah they they the it got burglarized and that made the dragon the god of dragons so mad that he then ordered all the men to kill all humans. That's the driving force of the bad guys, is somebody burglarized a cake shop. Now, I wasn't sure at the time if that was like one of those, let me tell you an analogy to express how much you are significant to me, but it's like, why would you sit there and talk to them if you felt that they're less than ants? What is that? that that's a common... I, that's a common theme behind dragons in general. Dragons don't see humans as like intelligent forms. They see them as less than them because dragons live for a long time and they're so knowledgeable that they see humans as almost like we see ants. You step that, on that, it that's a matter. common trope, yeah. But why would you talk to an ant before you smash it? You don't right. talk to an ant before you smash it, you just smash it. <laughs> Anyways, um I don't I don't know maybe, maybe there's some more story to the 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 bad guys that'll be interesting at some point. Um I, I just don't care for any of the characters in the show so far. It doesn't look bad. It's got some decent animation points, but for the most part, it's mostly just steals, action steals types of stuff. So it's not. I'm bordering on the edge of. Crazy. I'm so glad that I missed this one. <laughs> <laughs> but Leo's cute. <laughs> she got Fang. <laughs> Too bad he left her behind. I thought it was gonna be like a chaos dragon thing. Like, hey, let's watch. Let's 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 watch Leona. Leo Leo die already. I keep wanting to say Leona. Uh, Leonica. Anyways, that's that's Ragna Crimson. It's fine. Shangri-La Frontier. There's there's a fun one. Something that Chris can talk about. Oh, did you watch Shangri-La? Yeah, you did. Okay, I was I was just gonna say, you know, it's fun, Chris. You you don't have to, but you, if you want to, uh, Shangri-La Frontier or Shangri-La Frontier Kusoge Hunter Kamege ni Idoman Tosu. This one opens up with a guy who is what they call a crap game hunter. He does nothing but it's 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 a world where they have VR technology is big, and so there's a lot of games coming out, and with that a lot of really crappy games. And there's some players that all they do is hunt down crappy games. They look for the worst 
buggiest games to play. They find a challenge in actually beating them, and our main character, Rakuro, is one such individual, and they kind of open up with him playing this game where he beats the big boss, and then suddenly, in that, that brief time at the end where you have the, the credits scrolling and the boss is dying, he turns around and drop kicks the escort princess that he's been... He's just been making his life miserable for the last, I don't know how long he's been doing that. So he immediately turns over and drop kicks her. Like she would run over civilians while she's in a carriage and that would cause problems or she'd get pouty and mean and not want to follow him at times. He just really hated her. But yeah, he, he beats the game, goes goes back to the shop where he buys most of his game from. And he's like, yeah, I finally beat that game. I really hate that chick in that game. And I drop kicked her. And then she's like, oh, well, how about playing a real game? A like god tier game. You've been playing lots. crappy games all this time. Why not actually play a good game? Which is like the apparently the most popular game right now, which was Shangri La Frontier. It's got like what 10 million players or something like that. 30 million. Is it 30? 30 million Man, it worldwide. Beat World of Warcraft. Woo. Yep. Like tenfold. When was the last time we had like actual data out from World of Warcraft? When they used to actually tell people it was like 10 million? Or was it did they get to 12? I think they got to 12. I think it was 12, yeah. Um, you can, you know, they never hit that again because they have not talked about their numbers in a long time. Their numbers no more. (laughs) It was great. Anyways, uh, yeah. So he's he's like, yeah, why not? We kind of find out later on that this girl at his school that really likes him um, has been talking to the store owner, and she she advised her to go play Shangri La Frontier first and get built up so that one day she'll probably tell him about it. And then she'll be ready for him to support him, and she'll know a lot about the game. But yeah, he goes off, plugs it in, jumps in the game, makes his character. We get a little sense of how he is as a player. He likes to basically go no armor, sell all of his equipment, and just weapons. Put everything into weapons. Um, he's very much so skill over defenses and whatnot. So yeah, he basically goes butt naked, puts a bird mask on sells everything else jumps in the game wasn't there other games that did that what <laughs> the naked pvp yeah well you ultimate line until they place atomization in that game and then you have to wear like 50 million pieces of armor anyways uh yeah he he starts playing the game and he immediately falls in love like the traversing um the hitboxes the responsive responsive responsiveness no bugs he's like holy crap for once i'm in a god tier game this is Definitely a god tier game. Everything works perfect. Uh, everything reacts based on how you move and everything. Uh, you can do different techniques, and it and it gives you skills based on your techniques. So he's able to kind of experiment with different fighting styles. It kind of ultimately comes down to the idea of him being mostly counter based, counter and crit based. He ends up finding these. He ends up bumping into. Uh, he pumps full of luck, dex, vitality. And I think. is it vitality? Agility. That was stamina. No, because he does. He's a he's a glass cannon. So I know so he has like so no everything. vitality. Like he has. He's like one hit it, dead. Okay, then the, I yeah, that's what I was I saying. Is he's, he's. I thought vitality was had something to do with it, but it might have been just it. It's some other stat. But yeah, I he's know. he's a glass cannon for sure. Um, but yeah, the big the big focus early on was luck because he gets higher drop rates and he gets crit chances. Speed? So he's very high crit. Is it speed then? Because I know he was talking about the Vorpal Bunny, that that the Vorpal Bunny is is vitality. The the Vorpal Bunny has just just edged him out on on speed. Yeah, I don't remember. But yeah. That's in the the episode that came out today. Yeah, I haven't watched the episode where he talks to the uh, Vikesha dude. Um, 
he just got to the Vorpal place for me. But yeah, he fights some Vorpal bunnies, which are very, very rare to come by. But he wanted the blades from the Vorpal bunnies, so he kills them a bunch. He finds out they're like two percent uh, drop rate for his luck. Um, takes those, and those are like high crit <laughs> weapons too. So he's just like nothing but crit. Uh, eventually, he ends up out leveling the area. Goes to go to the next area. Like he did, he completely skips the first town. He just going solo. Goes to the second town, or he goes to towards the second area, which he ends up fighting the snake that is a area boss. Uh, a, I was almost almost thought that it was going to be like a unique mob that just mm-hmm. wasn't supposed to be there. But no, somebody else comes by and hits it too. Um, yeah, gets poisoned by that thing. Has to rush to the next town and get his save point. Otherwise, he loses all of his stuff. Um, then we jump to... What was after that? Oh, yeah, he wanted, to, he wanted to get his new gear. And so he goes to Blacksmith and goes out mining for a little bit. Then starts to fight stuff at night. And then eventually runs into... What was it called? A unique, unique, unique boss unique or a boss? Unique, unique monster? Yeah, unique monster or something like that, which are seven. Was it seven? seven uh, I think they said so, at some point. It gives seven. us a brief There's shot. Four that, four that have been found so far. It, it, they give us a brief shot of like this, this server room and stuff like that. And this computer kind of kicks on and activates it. So that'll get into a theory that I'll have later. But yeah, the unique boss get activated. It pops in front of him as he's fighting things in the middle of the night. It's this big wolf thing. He fights it for a while. Then eventually he gets beat by it. And he pretty much makes a declaration to that thing. I'm going to fight you. I'm going to make it my goal. I, I've, I've played a ton of crappy games where I fight bugs all the time. They're designed crappy, so that's what makes them challenging. You're designed good to be challenging. Thus, it's something I want to overcome. He makes it his goal. I'm going to beat this thing. And that thing finishes him off. He wakes up inside of the inn where he made his save point, and he's got this curse, which essentially every area the curse is at was like a scarring. He can't put on equipment but he has increased resistance to magic in those areas. It changes how certain NPCs will react to him. And one more thing. I'm, I'm always forgetting one thing. What was the other thing on that one? The curse. I know that the weak mobs will run away from him. That's right. That's right. It was also weak mobs. But yeah, he then goes out, realizes, crap, fighting that monster, that unique boss for a while, I got a lot of levels, so I'm going to put all my stats in. Crap, I messed up again. I'm still glass cannon. And then he sees this little Vorpal Bunny with this outfit, and he chases after it, and it ends up being like this... He thinks it's supposed to be like this unique quest. Falls the Vorpal Bunny into a door, and ends up into the Vorpal Bunny land, where he... Yeah, he... <laughs> I like how he tells the boss, like... Or he, I was he told the um, email it. Um, sorry for killing a lot of your Vorpal Bunny friends. <laughs> it's like, yeah, because you massacred those, their people. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much where I left off. So... Yeah, your your thoughts. I, I, I have to make the joke, Chris. That's it. I'm surprised he didn't go in that shop and the lady told him to play uh, Kwame Quest. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> you, you keep bringing it up. So <laughs> I thought of, it, <sighs> I, I was so funny because I went to I went and got screenshots of because I, I had to remember the name of the show. I was like, what's it called? What's it called? Oh, that's right. Full Dive. So I finally found I looked up Full Dive and I wanted to get a screenshot. So I'm looking through the episodes of Full Dive because I want to make a, a tweet uh, joke out of it. And I got the screenshot. I go to post it and literally Icy Rose on the, on the tw- uh, Discord said the same joke. And I'm like, I'm literally putting together a tweet right now with that joke. How in the world? <laughs> it was so funny. Anyway, sorry. It should have been on one of the shelves. It just just that would pan been over. And that would have been great. See Kwame Quest on the shelf. Or um, no, like a, a like a poster would have been perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I... I I don't know what it is about this show. I I find it absolutely just um I find myself just drawn to it. I really do just 
enjoy fun. the show. It's, it's fun. fun. Um, it is. It, now, I do think that a lot of their um, their action scenes are absolutely fantastic. Yeah, C2C is going nuts. Yeah. C2C, I, T, C2C is flexing. Did you notice anything in the, the was it fourth episode with the one with the bunny? Did, was there a mess up in the anime? Somebody Discord messaged me saying that they had an animation error or something like that in the show, the episode. Not I that got a chance I to watch it. it. Not not that I noticed. I'm like, um, I was, I, I'm like that's kind of surprising because the show looks really good. Um, like they got they got velocity and just the animation just yeah. Great. They, if you if if you don't see nothing else, just watch his his battle against the the shadow wolf thing. I mean. That was freaking beast. I mean, it was a massive, just killer uh, scene. I mean, because uh, he dies. Yeah, it was because he died. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> it's um, so, well, and and the funny thing is, is that just the way that this show is kind of geared, you kind of just want to see the next action bit. Um, in the next one, we're going into another area of boss, and I just can't wait to see it. It just. Every episode has at fights. least, yeah, it's like very, hype very hype fights. And that's and so funny to have it that way because this isn't like, you know, like I, I make the argument about things like um, Jujutsu Kaisen where I'm like, a lot of the fights that happen, I'm like, the fight itself is hype, but I don't care who wins. And this, it's kind of the same here. It's like, I don't really care who wins because it's a video game. It, we're not doing no Sora Online stuff right here yet. Um, so I don't really care that Sanraku wins or loses, but it's just more well, the fact that not, he wants to beat it. Yeah, he, it, and it, you get that hype and the idea that he just wants to beat the freaking game. And, it's and made that, to be hard, and he wants to defeat it. And I, and that, and that uh, when you when I listened to your your video about um how how did uh the you had mentioned the weight uh, of the situation, and I and I I agree with you. I don't think it needs weight. This one doesn't. He doesn't want to lose his gear. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think that he even. It doesn't even set itself up for that. It sets itself up for just fun. He's a glass cannon, so he literally one shot can knock him out pretty much. So he just or or gets him at least really close, um, or because poisoned. he has his luck that that ke- helps him keep at least one health. So it just is set up in such a way that you know. All he has to do is take one hit, and he's got to start all over with that boss. So, or whatever have you. I I don't know. I just I love it. It it it's just it's set just, itself it's, up. It's fine well. to, to see that it's technically what Sword Art Online was when it first started. It's the beater. He he is the beater. Mm-hmm. Is it was a beater? Beta player that was was beating the game or whatever. It wasn't called uh, beta. Beta or no beta? I I think it, it was, was called beta. 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 Yeah, it, it's literally that. He's a, a solar player going around dual wielding and just wrecking stuff. It's like literally if Sword Online didn't teleport Kirito to this one location and then everybody's told that they're going to die, that's that's legit it. Just go out there and just wreck the game. Beat it. Oh, and one of my uh, Desuwas of the season as well. There's like five or six just different Desuwas in, in this season, and, and this is one of them. Emil. Hmm. Mia's best girl, by the way. Mia? Yeah, yeah. she is. She just wants to PK somebody, dude. <laughs> I got a kick out of it when you said it. I thought the same thing. Girl wants to PK something. It was, it was funny because, like, the first time. So when Sunraku, when he gets poisoned by the snake, again, if he doesn't get to the next... He hasn't made it the first point, uh, first town. So he has to get to the, the second town quick and hit a save point and an in. And so he's rushing this town, and it cuts to these two. It's it's uh, Rage, or Rage, whatever you want to call him, and Mia. And this guy's, like, super excited because he just got Mia to start playing the game. It's this girl that he likes. Um, got her to get, play the game, and he's walking her through it. And then suddenly, you see Sunraku, and he's got this bird mask thing on. He's running straight towards the town. She's like, 
is that a monster? And she goes to shoot it. And he's like, no, that's, that's a player. Don't do that. Otherwise, you'll get flagged. You'll get a skull next to your name and you'll be flagged for PvP or whatever. And so she's like, okay. And I'm like, okay, that was kind of odd. And he's like, yeah, the end's over there. He rushes past, says thank you and everything. And then they continue on. And then cut forward and literally this 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 girl from his school, which is, uh, you know, in this massive set of armor, uh, walks up and meets Mia and Reg and, and basically asks if they've seen Sunraku. And... <laughs> Mia's over there and she's about to go shoot her because she's in this big, you know, intimidating looking set of armor. I, and I'm like, this girl's going to fight. So if, if by the end of the story, she doesn't end up as a PvP or at least or a PKer, I, I'm going to be mad because this girl's got bloodthirst in this game. She wants to beat up somebody. Let the girl PvP, dude. Uh, it's too funny. I got a kick out of it. No, I did end up thinking about another uh, a show that I can I can review because I doubt you watched it is the um the cg uh show that just is god awful and you should don't even bother watching it um check the playthrough i, yeah, I think i see it popped up on the feed and i seen that was played by you so i was like yeah i guess he's watching that um yeah i i'm on the same boat i i just find this to be a lot of fun this is literally just not so much break the game. There is an aspect that you think that they're probably getting into the realm of break the game because he's literally doing something that's he's, out of the norm. He's doing no armor. He's building up these stats that probably most people don't build up on. He's just doing things differently. And now with this encounter with this um, this unique, it is kind of playing in the idea of him having a purpose, but at the same time, well, this unique thing that's been inflicted upon him. He's also It's also kind of implying the fact that he is... I mean, they've kind of hinted at the fact but in the fourth episode it it does an entire section where he goes into another trash game um and he's literally playing uh there it's kind of a fighter game but they're both of the people who are fighting each other are literally um him and the person he's fighting against are literally breaking the game so i wonder if at some point they will kind of play on that that he is used to um finding bugs in games well i mean um, when is that the idea and the, that and the like... fact that he's in a god tier game is technically they're they're not going to allow bugs so it'll yeah, be interesting i can see, to see that because he, he has pointed out the idea several times like oh yeah i'm so used to these games where like yeah you clip into the wall or something like that mm -hmm. or the hit boxes are crap um but no i i think the thing the overall story that i was kind of getting hinted at based on the three episodes i watched was I seem to be getting an indication of AI, um, advancing AI. Right. I mean, he was pointing out the idea that this 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 merchant has like incredible AI, like he's having a conversation with it. Then I guess, like I said, it cuts over the servers. It shows the servers. It looks like there's an empty desk, and this this unique boss thing starts activating. And yeah, it comes after him. It marks him. This mark seems to quote unquote change how NPCs react to you which seems to imply that that led into the whole thing with the Vorpal Bunnies getting led on to this whole completely different zone, which is probably all designed just for this one little se sequence of events. No, and actually... It makes me believe this idea oh, that they're kind of... They're, it makes me believe that the AI is literally developing its own uh, scenarios and it wants to do something with Sunraku specifically or whatever. Because um, I don't see a co game company developing an entire town of Vorpal Bunnies just to have a single talk with Sunraku... <laughs> about something i don't know I, I i kind of feel like that's the direction the story might go is the idea of 
advancing AI. I'm not sure if you're getting that indication in the th fourth episode as well. The fourth episode, uh, other players have gone to the Vorpal Bunny city. Oh, so it's not unique to him. I thought uh, he was no, special. No, hold on. His quest is unique, but other players have been to the Vorpal oh. Bunny city. Nobody else gets to talk to Vaish. Right. Vice, Vice I, that's about as far Vice as I want to go as far as the spoilers. It's it's kind of fun. Yeah. But no, I, I've been having a lot of fun with it. I kind of hope one day... Does, has he run into the, the Skull Girl yet? <laughs> Siger G? I was like, I feel so bad for that girl. She keeps like... like I, the first episode, when the first episode ended and she, there was this person in a suit of armor sitting outside of this town, I'm like, that's totally her. Yeah. That's totally <laughs> her. She's a part of this elite guild that is sole focus is taking down Unique's uh, unique mobs or monsters, and yet none of them have been killed. It's a th their guild's not doing too good. No, <laughs> they've not. Their whole guild is designed around killing uh, these these unique bosses, and none of them been killed. You guys aren't doing too good. She's pretty. She seemed OP though, so we'll see if if she's does anything besides slicing snakes in half and chasing after him. Yeah, it's been fun. A lot of fun. It's just uh, super hype. Music, animation's incredible. Um, it's just a fun ride. It's just a very fun show. Um, I I think if if you wanted to pull something out of me is the fact that he's solo and every ever the character seem like they have no. They're all solo. Uh, obviously, the girl from his school is not really with anybody that I've seen. Uh, besides Mia and Rage, they they talk to each other every now and then. There's no chemistry, and I think that's probably the only thing lacking. But I don't necessarily need it. Um, as long as the the solo gaming and stuff is fun, I'll go with it. Those two are so. pretty much in, uh, introduced in the fourth episode. Yeah, I've seen shots of Arthur. Yeah, that's uh, that's Shangri-La Frontier. Uh, Berserk of Gluttony. You for sure watched Berserk of Gluttony, didn't you? Yeah. I don't know. How did I know that? I watched it last night. Dumb fantasy shows. Chris is on top of it. It's all right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dissing it yet. There it is. I was looking for the sword. I was like, I, I can find my outline as soon as I seen a sword on an outline. I know it's berserk gluttony, uh, but yeah, this one's Bushoku no Berserk. This one is done by ACGT, source light novel. Genres are action, adventure, drama, fantasy, romance. R romance. <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Roxy. Get some romance with Roxy. Um, yeah, this one opens up with Fate Graphite. Yes, that's a real name. Uh, and he is in a world where at some point in the past, this, this goddess Laplace had bestowed upon humans skills. Everybody's born with skills. And sadly, uh, as most cases of this goes, that pretty much decides the haves and haves nots. And Fate Graphite is one such have nots because he has the annoying skill of gluttony. Which makes his belly growl all the time. He makes him hungry. He's, all the time he's hungry. He's growling all the time. Um, and for some reason he's a part of the Holy Knights. He's just guarding a, a, a gate. Because he was told to by the, the Vleric family. They, they, they go into the fact that the Holy Knights themselves are comprised of multiple families. There's four total families. The Hart family. This Vleric family. We haven't gotten to the other two families. And the Vleric families are jerks. Um, they pretty much just walk around the town like they own it because they're the powerful ones and um, anybody that is gets in their way pretty much gets knocked to the floor. And yeah, they they, they treat fate like garbage, constantly making them do things they don't want to do. Uh, but that, that all works out fine because not all the Holy Knights are bad because, again, Roxy from the Hart family, she's great because yeah. Roxy's always great in every show. No, no. What? Uh, the, the 
the holy knights are obviously evil. Uh, but Roxy is not Roxy evil. Roxy is just weird. Roxy <laughs> is just weird. <laughs> they implied the Hart family were good. I don't know. I don't know. They said Rock. it's weird that Roxy is a part of the, the holy knights. So maybe it's just Roxy. You could be right. But no, she, she shows up and she's always nice to fate. Uh, but one night, uh, he ends up spotting this thief that's running across this this wall. He goes and tells Roxy, who's currently uh, guarding this gate, and tells him that there's a thief in the place. He takes over watch of the gate while she runs in there and kills him. And then one of the thieves gets away and starts running towards Fate. And he's standing there with this 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 flag that has like a little a little pull arm at the end of it, and he just stabs the thief, you know, to make sure he doesn't run away because it would look bad upon Roxy. And then suddenly gluttony skill activates gluttony activate gluttony activate gluttony activate i hate that i so hate that mm-hmm. but no his, his little skill activates and he consumes the thieves stats and skills including uh telepathy and what was the other one telepathy and something else important i don't remember what the other it one was, was kind of weird that he got two from that one person that was kind of the weird thing about yeah it. he didn't get conceal until he was in the yeah conceal was the girl that was kidnapped was the girl yeah yeah Anyways, yeah, it activates. He gets stats and skills from it, and then Roxy's like, oh, thanks for taking out that dude. Um, you should come work for the Hart family. Um, you don't look like you're having too much fun with the Lurk family. So he's like, yeah, I'll do that. And so he starts working for the, the Hart family. Come to find out her father, the head of the Hart family, has just died because he went off to this island where all the monsters come from and got Gallia. killed there. Galia. I want to say he said, or they said that he went to Galia. Yeah, I did. I was I just wasn't sure if it was Galia or Galia, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, it's Galia, I think. Anyways, yeah, he went to this island to get killed. Or he went to the island to get killed. He went to the island and got killed. So she has to take over the place. Everybody doesn't think they that she put, can do they it. They had this entire plan for him to go there and get himself killed. And that now they're going to send yeah. Roxy. I was waiting for that. I'm, I was like, I'm, I'm waiting for this. Just send her our... Yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay, yeah, they're going to send her. I was <laughs> just waiting for them to send her to death. Anyways, yeah, uh, he comes to find out a lot of... Now that he's got these stats, he's like, man, I can actually kill goblins now. I'm no longer going to be stuck being a guard. So he goes off to buy a sword. He ends up coming across this really rare sword that's able to talk to him because he's got this telepathy now. Um, And this sword is called Greed. And Greed tells him to, yeah, tells him pretty much most of the stuff about his skill gluttony. And the idea that every time he kills a mob, unlike most people who gets experience and they level up, he gains, he consumes their stats and skills. Additionally, come to find out later on, Greed has the ability to consume his stats into itself to level up, which would then reset him back to zero, but then his sword will level up. And if he doesn't, he loses the right to wield him. So they kind of work really well together, and he goes out and kills things, because if he doesn't kill things, um, he becomes overcome with this awakening that will make him thirst for killing. And if he doesn't feed it, he will either die, or he will become berserk and kill people around him. So... Yeah, he's, he's going out there killing stuff. At the same time, working for Roxy. Eventually goes out and does a little kind of uh, reconnaissance with Roxy in the town. Quote-unquote, Dato. And eventually she... Uh, it comes to find out that she's actually looking into this mysterious lich that is killing goblins outside the city, which is actually him. They just assumed it's a lich that wandered into the area. And uh, he figures eventually the knights are going to come after her to hunt him down. And then he goes out to this winery place with Roxy and... And then they find a cobalt camp, and yeah, thoughts. I don't know. I actually seem to really like this show. It um, kind of is working in, in a in a in a 
really good way. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do. I, the entire time I was watching the first few episodes, I was, I was thinking about Andrew going, okay, edge boy, edge, edge, edgy, edge, can XX Darth Arthas XX. <laughs> Cause that's, that's literally what this entire show kind of comes off as is. It's just, as edgy as it can possibly be. It's um, XX Dark Death Lord. <laughs> yes. I mean, from... No, I was having too much fun making fun of the fact that they have a Roxy character, they have an Edis character, they have a Laplace character, and a Mine character. So a Sentence and Bookworm and, and a Mishoko Tensei fan, apparently. Mine? Yeah, I, I, was, I was thinking more along the lines of the, the girl from Shield Hero. So, um, I, I, like I said, it, it just... I like I said, it really does work in a lot of ways for me. I I kind of like that it has kind of a weight to him. the The more he uses his power, the more the more um, he requires the um, growth. Um, at the same time, I, I Andrew mentioned in his video, and I, I agree, he technically has a a reset use with his his sword. I really want to dig into the sword. What is the, uh, the idea of? Is there seven, basically the seven deadly sins? I mean, obviously we had we've we got an, uh, a character introduced in the last episode that it is obviously another one just similar to him. Um, so it'll be interesting to dig into her and 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 okay, what are the galleons? Uh, how are they in, involved in a lot of this? Um, so yeah, there's a lot of stuff that is is kind of already opened up and ready to go, and it's just feeding it well. Now, downside. <laughs> on the downside, I don't much care for um, Darth Arthas, uh, whatever his name is. Um, I don't care for him. I I think um, Roxy is cute, but at the same time, she's kind of blah. Um, she's <laughs> Dark Arthas. What? <laughs> Wait, go back. Uh, fake Graphite. Whatever. Oh, I fake, mean, even his name. Order. Okay, I, fake I mean, Grand Order. I got you. Even his name is. Fate black, black, black fate. I, I get it. Ha ha. Uh, yeah. Darth Arthur. Um, but yeah, he's he he's not not really working for me. I kind of want him to be. <sighs> he just kind of feels like he's going with the wind. He doesn't feel like he has any true motivation outside of. I have this power. I what? Want My to eyes are red now. I have to go uh, yeah, kill things. Better go, go kill, kill things. Stuff. Um, Roxy's going somewhere. Better girl, go with Roxy. Girl, girl, girl. Um, no, I. I'm not caring for him. Roxy's not really that much. I want. I. I do feel for her. I. I, I think that she is a, a decent character. But she's. She feels like she's being uh, pulled by the winds as well, and I. I don't care for I, I want characters to actually have solid reasonings for the things that they're doing. I mean, agency agency. Yeah, Roxy needs agency. Um, and when it comes to the bad guys, let's let's just not even talk about them. They're, they're... <laughs> I was about to say, if you're saying that bad stuff about those characters, let's talk about the Vlerks, Chris. What I do don't you know. I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about the bad guys. You, you don't like you don't like the immortality from... you don't, you don't like, like the everybody beast. else. The... I want the uh, the 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 chalice of life uh, you don't get, like the girl from shield hero doing her little cackling at <laughs> fate as he's being smashed in the ground 
I, I can't wait for for uh, Hato Hato to die. I, I I'm 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 just waiting for that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I forgot that he was cackling about finding immortality. I was like, oh. Driving force, I guess. Uh, something besides. <laughs> I mean, well, well it, it, it says something. It says something when the first time a character other than this cast in four episodes, when I see a new character, yeah, she looks really cool. I really like her outfit. I like her design and everything like that. But I was excited. This Somebody who has a daggum <laughs> gluttony skill or something, I want to know about that character. Get the rest of this cast off the screen. I want to see her. Yeah, I was I was I was excited to see mine because I'd seen her in the PVs and I like her character design. I like the tan girl tribal outfit, massive X. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I want to see her wreck things. <laughs> and it's like later on, Roxy's like, oh yeah, we've seen this this Galang or whatever nearby, so maybe they kill the cobots. I'm like, yeah, I wish she did. That would have been cool to see her do something. <laughs> but now apparently she's like, Oh, I'll let you have it. Peace. Like, I have a fight. Like like do a throwdown right there. She's like, "Oh, fate! You're a berser- a gluttoner too. Let's fight! Like <laughs> do something." Um, I'm I'm pretty much the same page. I'm I'm surprised. I'm actually I've enjoyed the show as much as I did, but at the same time, I agree with most everything Chris said. Is that I feel like these characters are kind of getting pulled along. Like there is the reason why there's anything really happening is because Vleric family is super mad, super mean. And thus, fate have bad days. And thus, Roxy really cool because Roxy be nice to him after he had bad days because Vleric family mean. And then it turns into, okay, now he's happy with Roxy, you know, taking care of the Hart family. And they go out on dates. And oh, yeah, Vleric family mean, but fate not scared no more because fate got strong abilities. And then all this, and then the rest of the show is really just, I'm hungry. I got to go feed it. I'm hungry. Got to go feed it. I'm hungry. Got to go feed it. I think there is, there's a side of me that's like, there's a possibility this could be really interesting depending on, on how edgy it gets. Like there is this heavy emphasis on the route, the, 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 the road that he's going down is going to be very terrible because every time he feeds it, it wants something more. And every time you feed something big to it, it wants something bigger. And it can no longer be hap- uh, satisfied by smaller things anymore. Like, he literally goes out to kill goblins again, and it's like, it ain't doing it no more. Like, you're literally not going to feed it by this no more. Now you have to go way out somewhere else to find something bigger. Or he has to PK. Yeah, that's, that's other possibilities. He just has to kill Hato. And so he just <laughs> has to start killing all the, the, the Holy Knights. Yep. Eventually going to run out of people. Um, so it, there's a question mark. It's like, how how dark is this going to get? Like how, how far is it going to push him? Or does it eventually turn this idea where he finds a reset point? Like, okay, you maybe he can give his thirst or whatever his, his, uh, maybe stats up to greed. And then suddenly he can kill goblins again and be fine. Or is it constantly going to be him going to Galia and killing everything there before he's, has nothing else to kill. And he kills the entire population of the world and he dies. Like, how far down this route of insatiable hunger is it going to go, or is it going to find an easy way out of it to keep him from becoming a I, I'm, I'm assuming they're gonna ha- there's going to have to be some kind of a, a hard reset. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's fine. It's not the greatest looking show, but um, some of the action scenes are pretty well animated. It's kind of back and forth, really, on the action scenes. But yeah, that's um, tight. Tight, Nian. 
there, there was a nice little kind of emphasis in there in the idea of the have and has nots, him like helping out the, the orphanage and bestowing upon his father's his father's words of, of always being happy and eventually one day you'll find happiness and given goblin ears to the orphanage. <laughs> They're like, it's gotta be a lich. But then how did the ears end up at the orphanage? <laughs> I had this mental image of a lich walking into the town and going to the orphanage. Here's the kids. <laughs> Here have the ears, kids. Um, and then he stopped getting the ears, so yeah. No, that was that was those big hobgoblin things. You got those ears. Like, super expensive. Anyways, um, apparently people like to pay for ears. Anyways, uh, moving on. We have uh, Kamano, Kamano Hashi Ron. I bet you watched that show, Chris. You probably love that show. Did you like Kamano Hashi, Ra- R- R- Kamano Hashi Ron? Forbidden Deductions? Uh-uh. I didn't watch it. What? Yeah. Big shock. Uh, yeah, Kamano no Hashi Ron no Kindan Suiri. This one opens up with a detective, uh, Tato Maru Ishiki. And he is not doing very well at the, uh, was it the first district or something like that? Investigations. He's pretty much, he's pretty much a, a gopher. He's, he's not even getting jobs or anything like that. He's constantly seeking the next job. There's a currently a, a massive serial killer out there at the current time of the show opening. And everybody's working really hard to try to find them, but they're not bringing him on. They said that he's got to prove himself first. Eventually, like I don't remember who this guy is. There's an old guy that works the division. Basically, tells Toto, "Hey, if you if you want help to get this this you know get yourself up there, go check out this uh, Kamado Hashi guy." So he goes over to this apartment, um, goes to knock on the door, and immediately this speaker starts saying, "You know, no, go away," like they like he was. No, like the guy knew that he was coming there. Eventually, the guy opens the door when he mentions the fact that he was referred to him by this old man, and kind of find out this Kamano Hashi. Over time, we find out that he is in a genius, basically a genius genius detective. Uh, he actually went to this investig uh, this detective high dollar detective place called Blue or something like that, where they train the best de- uh, detectives ever, and. He did so well, and he was the genius prodigy student, like, scored perfect. But he has one quirk. Can you guess what it is? Uh, no. I. He's never arrested a single person. They all end up dead. <laughs> and so, yeah, even when they were doing his tests, everybody died um yeah we, we find this out by the fact that this kamenohashi guy helps toto as they go out on this job trying to find this serial serial killer um he goes to the next uh victim they find the next victim's corpse uh kamenohashi shows up and his whole shtick is that he likes to get down and close to the victims so he'll just like jump up in the air flip over on his back and slam right down backside next to the corpse and just tilt his head over and talk to the person Hey guy, I'm gonna find your kill. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get revenge for you. And then he starts inspecting, and he'll find out like all the little things like usual detectives do. Like, oh well, he's got this little bit of uh, speck of dust on his shoulder, which is actually from dirt that's in from the northeastern region of this of Tokyo. And and yeah, if you look at his shoes, he's got five scuff marks there, which kind of shows the imprints of uh, you know escalator. He probably hit an escalator, so he probably went up an escalator that that day. It uh, does that whole thing. 
Uh, but he comes to find out that they're all drowned. They don't look wet. Um, they're missing their their wallets and stuff like that. Um, different things like that, which all comes to lead him to drag Toto over to a store shop or a clothing shop. Gets them all dressed up in some fancy outfit. Like, he looks like a pimp, basically. Then he takes them, then Kamo takes them all the way to this barbershop. He says, go in there, get your hair cut. So Toto goes in there, and he goes to get his hair cut while, while Kamo Hashi, this detective's outside, just kind of chilling. He's actually sitting on his back with his legs straight up as he's drinking, like, a protein thing or something like that. He's weird. He's kind of like, uh, uh, was it L from um, Death Note? Kinda, He's kind of weird. Kinda, He's a little weird. Kind of sounding like it. But anyways, uh, but yeah, Toto goes in there, says hi to the barber, goes over. The barber's like, okay, I'm going to shampoo your hair, sticks his head down inside the sink, and then suddenly Toto passes out. And then Kamenohashi, the great detective, walks in the door and says, ha caught you. Uh, he was going to drown him in the the shampoo uh, sink thing because, yes, he found out that everybody that has been killed has, um, you know, been drowned somehow, lack of oxygen, uh, they all needed a haircut at the time. They're all looking a little frizzy. Uh, they're all rich. And there's a couple other aspects that kind of equate them there. But anyways, Toto regains consciousness. and like, whoa, well, no way. You figured that out. And then the guy runs off. The barber runs off. He's like, I'm not going to get caught by you guys. He goes to the rooftop. They get up there. And he's like, ah, ha, ha. I knew you were going to come up here because I'm a great detective. I locked the gate to go to the across the other uh, roof. And then immediately, Toto asks him why you did it. The guy's like, because money. <laughs> they swindled me out of my stocks when I was talking to these rich guys, and so I want to get their money back from them. And then Kamenohashi says, you should die. You should jump off this building. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? You should jump off this building. The guy's like, okay. He goes over and he goes to jump off the building, as Toto goes over there and grabs him and keeps him from jumping off the building. And then Kamenohashi snaps out of it and says, crap, I did it again. Apparently, Kamenohashi's deal is that whenever he saw... He has not been doing cases for a long time. That's mainly because that blue organization has banned him from doing any solving of cases because his anybody that he catches dies. Um, they never see they don't never see justice because they end up dying the moment he solves a case. His whole thing is that whenever he solves a case, he has a power or something to imprint upon somebody to take... You know, take their own lives, basically. Like, makes them exact justice upon themselves. And it happens with, like, the second episode. This lady is stalked by somebody. Um, she goes and rushes into her sister's house, grabs her sister's piggy bank, hits him over the head with it. He dies. She replaces her sister's piggy bank and then drags the guy's body out to the creek, cleans up the mess. And then the reason they find out that it's her is because... The sister reports to the police that her somebody stole money from her piggy bank that you can't open without breaking it. Kamenohashi, being the genius he is, ends up figuring out the connection and, again, tells this girl who killed the guy that was attacking her in her sister's house in self-defense. He tells that girl to go jump in the water and drown herself. Like, it's not just... Like, the serial killer that killed, like, 15 people. He's telling anybody that has committed a crime to go kill themselves. And so, that's the weird oddity. Now, it makes sense, the chemistry between Toto, this, you know, rookie, and Kamenohashi, that... I'm just calling him Ron from now on. Toto and Ron. Ron's the genius detective. The chemistry works between Toto and Ron because... 
Ron does not want to do detective work anymore. One, because he's barred from it. And if they find out that he's doing that, they'll probably hunt him down and kill him. But two, he doesn't want to solve cases because he everybody ends up dead. He has a 100% success rate, but he has a 100% death rate too. So he doesn't want to do anything. But the joke is, the ongoing joke is that whenever he hears any whisper of a mystery, he immediately jumps on it. Like, he, you can say, like, uh, there was a body and then cut off, and he's immediately like, let's go, let's go. Like, he gets so invested the moment he hears there's a mystery, a hint of it. So, he, like, he's clicking, he, he keeps his ear plugged and everything when he first meets him because he doesn't want to hear anything about a mystery. But then the moment that his phone goes off, he hears the speakerphone say what the mystery is, and he immediately jumps on it because he can't, he can't resist it. So, it's weird. They have a weird chemistry there. Um, but, yeah, my thoughts on the show. Um, the, th- the third mystery is that they're trying to prove that Ron is doing the, the blue organization is trying to, fi- I, I hope it's called blue. Otherwise everybody that watched this show is like, it's not blue. I think it's called blue. Uh, this blue organization is trying to find out if Ron is actually doing detective work. And if he's in, if he is, they're going to take him down. So they essentially send one of their agents to orchestrate them all being brought to this, um, the spa resort or this um, hot spring uh, inn resort and then create a mystery that needs to be solved and see if he steps up to do it. And that's where they're being forced now because somebody's being blamed for the killing that didn't necessarily do it. That we don't know that did it. And he's being forced to have to move his hand and that's going to prove that he is solving cases, which he shouldn't be. Yeah, apparently if you solve cases, even if the people die, they don't want you to solve cases. Even though you have you're a genius detective, they could just stop people from killing themselves and just use them, but anyways. Yeah, this is kind of one of those rookie with the genius type of stories. Um I'm I I find their chemistry between Ron and Tamanohashi fine. Um Tomohashi. Uh, Tomo Tomomaru is fine as a character. The thing that I'm struggling with right now is because Ron knows that he's not supposed to be doing solving cases, he's trying to make Toto take credit for it. The problem that I'm having is that it's almost implying this idea that Toto is a genius detective. He just needs to get a little bit of a bump. The weird thing that kind of comes from that is like the piggy bank issue. Toto was sent to go solve the mystery about the piggy bank that lost its money. And while he's there at that house with the two sisters, they're trying to figure out why does this new, why does this piggy bank weigh less than it used to? Well, obviously you were, it was all in your mind. It wasn't weighing that much. But then at some point, Ron's like, okay, well let's bust it open and find out. So they bust it open. Sure enough, there's not many coins in there. Then they send the coins off for, you know, forensics to find out who the fingerprints are on it. Well, it's a sister, the other sister. So obviously the other sister put those coins in there. The weird thing comes is that they then leave the house to the riverbank nearby, which is where his boss is currently investigating a death. And so Ron goes over, jumps down the ground, says hi to the guy that's dead, says, I'm going to avenge you, grabs something near the corpse, tosses it to Toto and says, hey, Toto solved the case. And then he keeps nudging Toto and Toto just kind of blurts out everything that happens. And I'm like, does, so are you implying that Toto knows what happened or is he just guessing based on what Ron's giving him? Because Ron's not saying, Hey, uh, 
you know, do this or this, this. He does tell him to look in the bag, which ends up being the other piggy bank, which was the one that he, you know, used to kill it. But it's like, it's not making it clear as to how that's working. But I do get the idea that Ron is supposed to be, Toto is becoming his puppet. He even jokes about that later. You have, this This is a successful attempt at you becoming my puppet. Because he wants to solve these cases. He has fun doing it. But he can't do it publicly. So Toto has to do what he does. And then he has to stop anybody from killing themselves. Because Ron's going to tell them to jump in the water. <laughs> it's just a very... It's an okay show. But it just... It doesn't make sense. <laughs> Again, like... Why does whenever a case is solved... Does he suddenly have the urge to tell anybody... No matter how severe their case is... To go jump in a river and drown yourself? Um... Again, this big organization that seems like it's obsessed with stopping him from solving cases. Uh, there's a lot of real weird oddities about the story itself. And mixed within there is... Okay mysteries. Like, they're not they're not very cleverly set up mysteries. They're, a lot of it's really... He yells out a bunch of things that are on clothes that tells him what's going on. And then that means this is the bad guy. There's not much clever, th there's not much like foreshadowing that happens that you go, yeah, that's right. I caught that. It's not, it, so far, it's not that type of mystery. It is not a, it's not a mystery that gives you hints as it goes along that you can be a part of it. It always kind of turns out to be the, I'm the great detective. I solved everything. Everybody stand around. Everybody gather around. Let me tell you what happened. It's that kind of a mystery, which lends itself to not be that good. But I think they're doing well enough in the in-betweens having at least a decent chemistry between Toto and Ron. So it's not a it's not a bad show at the same time. It's not a show that's really it's not really connecting with me too much. And I don't know if that's because maybe it's geared towards um a female audience, which wouldn't doubt it because the creator did L Dive, and L Dive was total pretty boy type show wasn't it i hated that show too i don't hate this show i just hated l dive <laughs> i hated l dive so bad um it's fine like it's a fine show if 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 this season wasn't so stupid packed i would probably keep watching the show but i don't see enough in here that is seemingly geared towards me so i'll probably i'll probably call it a call on it at this point call the time chris what time is it yep it's done. It's it's over for it. So that's Ron Kamenohashi. What else? Megan Dolly. Did you watch Megan Dolly? No. Oh my! You were gonna watch it, right? Nope. You're not gonna watch it? I have no intention on it. Watch one episode. <sighs> watch one episode, Chris. You you love uh, Sakamoto. I know you told me that. It's Sakamoto, Chris. You watch Saint Magic Power Omnipotent. Because you were spoiling it for me today. I'm like, I'm watching the latest episode. And he's like, yep, this, this, this. I'm like, Chris, spoiler, I'm watching it right now. You literally see what episode I am. And you're I, like, I thought yeah, this, the this, way this. you said that, it sounded like you were uh, ahead of me. You were just going back for screenshots. You do that every once in a while. Oh, I do do that. Rarely. I, I get the screenshots as I go. Anyways, the Saints Magic Power is omnipotent too. Seijo no Marioku no wa... Bono Desu season two. I really wanted to go watch the first season again before this season came out because I, I'm going to try to give you a synopsis of the first season. How long ago was that? Was that late? That was probably three years ago, wasn't it? Probably. 
But essentially, the this this kingdom and this fantasy world, they summon the saint. The saint is supposed to be the one that comes and fights off the miasma that is overtaking the lands and causing the monsters to spawn and attacking people. And they summon two girls. One is Aira uh, Misono, and one is Sei Takanashi. And the prince of, was it the prince of the kingdom, wasn't it? He just like shows up and he's like, he, I want to say he was the prince. Yeah, I want to say it was a prince. The prince just walks in as the, after they summon these two girls and he just immediately goes to this other girl, Ira, and says, you are the saint. Come with me. Let's get you all set up and everything. You're going to save the world. And then say Takanashi, she just kind of, they just kind of kick her off the side like, oh, I guess you're not the saint. Um, sorry, we summoned you. Can't send you back. Sorry. Going to have to live here. Uh, so it's a little bit of struggle for her there and like, oh, crap, I can't go back to my home. I want to go home. Why am I here? Um, that sucks. No, I think that was it. Wasn't this the one that implied later on that Say didn't really have anywhere to go back to? Like she didn't have she was like an office worker. and She didn't have anything to go back to. But it was the problem was I think Ida one. Um, she wanted to go back. because She had like a family to am I thinking of a different show? I think you're right. I want to say that she really badly wants to go back. Which definitely makes this season, this recent episode kind of hurt me. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So, say what what Say basically does is go, okay, well, they don't need me. They're, they they brought me here. I can't go back. They gave me a little bit of money. Um, she decides that she wants to try to become an herbalist in this world. So, she, you know, helps out this research place. Does a lot of herbalist stuff. Alchemy and stuff like that. Learning different traits and stuff in this world. Uh, eventually meets this... This hot commander guy, Albert Hawk, who's like super cool. He's a super cool guy. Albert Hawk's super cool. Um, does a lot of stuff, different stuff. Ends up creating like potions and stuff like that. Eventually, they discover she's got a lot of power. And so she ends up actually helping them with a lot of healing and stuff like that. Eventually, she joins a team that goes out and takes out uh, Miasma and everything. They end up then just pretty much discovering that um, Ida doesn't really have too much an act to be the actual saint. It's just the prince was dumb and chose the wrong person. Yeah, and and it's at, at some point he started like doubling and tripling down on uh, building uh, Ira up because he he actually liked her and yeah. he had he was trying to protect she's her. Cute, she's a cute high schooler. Why not? Yeah, it, it, it's it's kind of funny because it, it was a really kind of cool interplay. I mean, yes, he, yeah, I felt he bad had, for Ira. I, I, I really after like a certain point, you you kind of realize. Uh, as it kind of digs into it, that he was really actually starting to working on trying to protect her because he actually did like her. Um, even when they found out that say was the, the, uh, the saint and everything like that. Um, he yeah, they, had became, like a, they had like this formal apology because they literally just discarded the saint that's supposed to save their kingdom. Yeah. From the, it was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. We threw you off the corner. You're actually the saint. Uh, can you please still save us? <laughs> Yeah, I really did like that whole aspect with the prince and and um, Ira, um, which again like fed in a little bit to the season with the whole idea of her getting niceties from Japan technically and kind of bringing her into the picture that yeah. she can try it out and stuff. I was like, that's so sweet. Um, but yeah, um, going into the second season, they kind of open up with a banger. Like, I'm I'm guessing that's a later point, or was that just kind of showing them? I, I assume that that was showing when they were going out and taking all the miasma because they had this big. In the the this in between between season one and season two, it's literally say going out with Albert and everybody else, clearing all the miasma. Like they fight back all the miasma that has been um, infecting the kingdom, 
And the opening of this ep- this season, it opens up with them fighting this dragon, and then she's nearly getting a hit. And then it cuts forward, and they're back in, the, you know, in town. So I'm guessing, I'm not sure if that's a look forward, just showing them how they were fighting, but I don't know why it would end on her being seemingly attacked and maybe killed. But that aside, this season kind of opens up with, you know, they came back, they've done their, their whole venture out and taken all the miasma, and they're just kind of moving back on with their lives. Eventually, uh, Say ends up running into Kohi. She finds coffee. Yep. And she really badly wants a coffee. She likes coffee. She cooks coffee. And then it's like this little store that's selling coffee. And apparently she finds out there's this other kingdom out there that is has a bit some imports that are things that she's familiar with, like coffee. And eventually going out there and discovering all these different Japanese things like rice and stuff and curry that's being imported in that she really wants to start cooking and selling and... Same time, she was doing cosmetics. What was the other thing? She was doing com- cosmetics. Yeah, she, she was, was doing cosmetics. She's selling her cosmetics. So that's a big thing that's going on. All the um, gir- all the all the maids are loving her for it. Yes, they are. They make her a nice little dress too. She's had her coming, uh, her her little uh, debut in front of the king and the yep. kingdom, and she's finally introduced to the kingdom as being the actual saint. Finally, we're doing that. We're in season two, and finally, she gets introduced to the kingdom that she is in fact the saint. Uh, and yeah, that's that's opening doors for Hawks to have to step up because Hawks is about to lose her. Yep. Because lots of people contacting the kingdom wanting her hand in marriage. And then she finally gets an, an, an invite to the king, which I'm assuming is the king probably going to tell her that this nearby kingdom they want to get with wants to marry her. I hope not. I hope it's not going to turn that kind of crap. You think the king will actually sell her off to another kingdom? I know they want her there. I don't know why they would sell her off to another kingdom. A prince or something unless they really badly want peace talks with some other kingdom i don't know it'll be interesting to see what that cox has got to step up dude cox just just say it just say it already you gotta you gotta claim your girl i like having an entire episode of people telling well it's just really one person it's valdic he's just like hawks dude if you don't do it i'll do it yeah right (laughs) i think they did that at some point in the first season they're like hawks you do it or i'll do it like all these dudes are like i I mean I, we're letting you go, but if you're not yeah. gonna do it, I'm gonna yeah. do it. All these, all these guys are being, you know, gentlemen. Being nice and, to Hawk. Uh, yeah, yeah. And Hawk's just dithering around like a doofus, dude. All you gotta do is smile on that girl's on him. He, he ain't losing her. Like he's got, he's got her. She, he's got her on a, a smile leash. Yeah. She literally dreams about she, his yeah, smile. She... <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah. What's your thoughts so far on this show? Well, okay, seeing as how this is an extension of my first season's love of this show, going into this next season, it's really nice to just get back into the seat and kind of just enjoy what's going on. I I really do love all of the characters in the show. Um, introducing a new possible bad guy or whatever have you, um, new kind of directions that, that Say is going um, introducing new, new kind of, um, just, uh, cast because obviously we're going to end up going to this new, new territory and finding out what they want with her and all that. It'll be interesting to see that, that direction. Um, so yeah, it, I still love this show. I probably will always love this show as, unless they, it like really down downgrades in some way, shape or form, which I seriously doubt it. They, they've, they've, treated it with a lot of respect so yes i'm very very excited about it yeah i will say uh, first season i loved death 
I absolutely love the first season. I was so happy to hear the second season got announced for it just because I wanted to kind of just transition to a second season, just keep at that same greatness. I, I mostly love this series because I loved Say's character. I think she's a fantastic female lead. She's got just enough spunk in there. She's gentle at the same time. There's a lot of heart in her as well. She likes to help people. And that showed in her becoming literally the saint of this world, wanting to protect people, wanting to heal people, despite the fact that people kept telling her, girl, don't heal people. You're going to reveal who you are. Like, they remember that whole, like, scene where, the, like, a bunch of people were injured or, like, a war or something like that. And it was a bunch of people that were injured in this one barracks. And she just goes around and starts healing everybody. And it's like, you gotta stop. <laughs> um, they, did, they did that again this season, that idea of, like, she's supposed to be undercover, but she can't help herself. Like, she's gotta go over there. Like, I'll just give a potion. But the potion's gonna give you away. I'll just tell I got it from somebody else. <laughs> she's like that. She does not, like, turn a blind eye to people, and it kind of lends itself to her being the saint. That's why everybody adores her, is that she's so... She's so selfless. Um, she's got so much character. I love her quirkiness. I love her spouts of different characters, constantly back and forth with Valdic, him constantly telling her to do things, but then at the same time indulging himself in whatever she puts together. Um, sitting there, just won't go away when she's making rise. Um, it's got a great cast of characters that all... I, I will admit that I don't think I ever found most of the, the male characters to be that interesting. I mean, there there is quirkiness to each one of them. Um, there's a, there's a, there's a very, not shallow, but a decent depth to each one of the male characters, but it's not as if I was ever fully attached to any of them. Um, I know who they are. I know what sort of purpose they serve, whether it's to, um, you know, lead the, the research area, it'd be a, the commander Hawks or whatever to protect people. Um, now here with the recent, uh, characters introduced like Oscar, who's a merchant and stuff like that. It's now working on her product line because they can no longer sell it in the stores there are because they're being overrun <laughs> and they don't want it to kind of come back to her. So they got to create her own line of selling. Um, I understand who all these characters are, but I'm not really attached to them. I think Hawk's a cool guy and I think he's super charming, but I don't find him to be like, he's not a character I want to put on my wall. It's always been so focused on say I, and again, I, I really did like the Prince and um, I had a story in the first season uh, for sure. But it's been mostly Say. And I think she does so well in the chemistry that she has with all the different guys. But it's always similar, usually around Say. I really like her character. Um, yeah, going into the second season, I can honestly say I'm liking seeing how Say is finally getting a lot of acknowledgement. Um, a lot of her efforts are coming to fruition, whether it's technically for the negative because now she's getting too much attention and it's kind of taking a lot of freedoms away from her. Um, but I, I still do like to seeing her actually getting a lot of recognitions for the stuff that she does, um, getting a lot of popularity at the same time, building up possibly a lot of trade routes, uh, trying to bring in a lot of niceties that she used to love and getting to experience them again, again, sharing them with uh, with Ira and all that kind of stuff. I like all that stuff they're kind of developing so far. And it seems like based on how it's set up so far with these first few episodes that it seems like it's going in the route of actually having possibly hawks finally have to say something like they they possibly will have to finally push that relationship between the two of them or if it's possibly just going to be a fake out kind of thing where they're going to act like he's going to have to say something but at the same time the king like i said before the kingdom doesn't want to give her away and so all the suitors are they literally said they're just they're they're de they're happily declining for her <laughs> like the king the kingdom's literally 
taking all the love letters and, and invites for her and literally opening them up and putting, sorry, thanks for applying, have a nice day, and sing it back. Um, they're, they're literally declining everybody for her. So I don't know if it's really going to go that direction. Maybe the prince... Did they ever... In, the prince was there got, another prince? The prince was exiled. Yes, there's a new prince. So maybe the other prince might be coming after her. It's possible. Or does she have... Or does he have a, a, a queen or a wife already? I don't know. Maybe another prince would be after her. Again, I'm, I'm curious why the king's calling for her. I don't know. We'll see. But I think this next episode is probably going to be telling where the direction the story goes. But again, I, I'm, I'm still kind of curious about that opening scene. But overall, like I said, I've, I've loved this series. I think it's it's great. It's kind of like um, if you if you anybody listening to this have ever watched, you know, Snow White with red hair. Um, it's kind of like that type of show. Where it's a character just wanting to enjoy life, but then kind of gets dragged into things every now and then. You have little Prince Charming in there as well. I think with Snow White with Red Hair, I like the male character in that show a lot more than I did Hawk. But um, with this show, I love Say a lot more than the main girl in Snow White. So, yeah, it's a really good show. I highly recommend the series. I can't say yet that the season, second season is going to be as great as the first season. But um, I'm, I'm eagerly waiting the big storyline to really hit, so... Is that it? Any other thoughts? Nope, that's pretty much it. A playthrough of a certain dude's VR MMO life, or Taru Osan, Osan no VR MMO Katsudoku, or Katsudoki, sorry. Katsudoki. This one is done by Maho Films. Big shock there. Uh, sources light novel. Genres are action, adventure, comedy, fantasy. And this one opens up with a guy, what was he, like in his 30s? 30s or 40s. He's like an like office worker or something like that. He works all Black the time. company. Comes home. Wants to... Oh, he's 38 years old. Sorry. Comes home and just wants to enjoy playing video games. So he starts playing this One More Free Life Online. Yes, there's a game out there called One More Free Life Online. And he starts playing One More Free Life Online where he plays his character Earth. And he plays like... He likes to play solo. He selects all of the worst skills possible and then he jumps into the game what was the reason why he picks all this worst skills because he just want, doesn't want anybody to bother so, him so nobody will bother him yeah he like chooses like archery and sneak and like a bunch of trade skills that nobody uses like alchemy because everybody buys potions from shops so he just chooses alchemy because why not cooking all that kind of stuff and he starts playing the game and yeah Quickly has to figure out how to kill monsters because archery kind of sucks. He has wind spells. It's kind of useful. Kind of works. Then eventually starts making his own potions. And then starts cooking food. Then people like the smell of his food, so they buy food from him. And then eventually the shop stops selling potions for some reason. So everybody starts buying his potions. And then they, everybody they, starts they were suddenly demanding randomly, potions. They were randomly desi design, uh, decided that they wanted it to be on a short supply or something like that. Yeah. And then he so starts now crafting... Now they have supply issues all the time. Yeah, so he starts crafting his own weapons, makes like this, cr like like two bows put together for some reason, um, bow and yeah, blades for his blades shoes. for his shoes. Yeah, because he had <laughs> he did get kick skill, and the kick skill is supposed to be very useless, but then uh, he makes kick still really useful. Uh, and yeah, uh, starts hanging out with this party that he met like when his first day. This guy like laughed at him because he liked the noise that the monster made when he killed it. And um, gets friends up with them. Then goes out and partying with them for a while. And, uh, yeah, I think that's about all I got. Unless I've completely forgotten it from my mind. 
you forgot the entire event that has been for the last three episodes. <laughs> well, I probably watched the like fairy episode. I, got, I think I got up to the point where he they he beat up the magic guy, the the gold armor guy. That's where I got to. So probably only two episodes. Oh, okay. So yeah, the the last couple of episodes has been some random event that uh, the game started. Oh, they were mentioning the idea that of a a, a boxing. Well, there was a. It's basically a Pokemon. They were yeah no that's right I'd seen that because he did his summon and it didn't work it broke yeah and then everybody else got their pets and they all liked him yeah all, he shocked. he he got the 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 moniker or the title fairy player fairy playa and playa playa and on uh, one more free life online on one more f- free life online <laughs> whatever um but yeah uh they went through that entire thing he uh basically kept uh reprimanding people for treating their 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 Pokemon their digital bad, bad badly and oh. um and whenever stop being mean to your code yeah stop being mean to your your Pokemon and eventually um all the Pokemon really liked him and then they're the they went through a PvP event uh because the PvP event might make your crystal come back but he decided he didn't want to do the Pokemon event and um then at the <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do the Pokemon event anymore I'm, I'm wondering Stop. how many people because are because you're say- mistreating your Pokemon. <laughs> if I go to the event, that then, then I'm pro abuse of Pokemon because we fight them each to each other. That, is that why he didn't do it? <laughs> Did he not do the Pokemon match because it would fight them together? And he didn't want them. I to don't hurt? know. It was oh. just it was just silly. Um, but no, he uh, the the fairies apparently were kind of getting um, more powerful from doing the event. But he still decided not to do it, and at the end of it, one, there was this guy in a silver armor. Oh, who this apparently, is the silver one, not the gold one. Yeah, he, he was he was mad at the other guy. He was mad at another guy named Glad, <laughs> and and so he he asked. He, he I don't know what he had what Earth so he had was, to do with. So wait it. wait wait wait. It wasn't mad. It was Glad. It was Glad. He was he was mad <laughs> at Glad. Get Glad. Get glad. <laughs> Sorry. He was mad at Glad uh, because apparently. Oh no, that's right. He was apparently targeting people who had the Fairy Playa title. And oh, so he's so not the he only was one checking. With he was checking with Earth to find out if he had, um, t- if he had ran into him, and because I was trying to remember why he had, he was talking to Earth. But yeah, apparently he was targeting people who had the flair, the fairy playa t- title. Um, and when Earth said he had never met him, he went, "Okay, whatever. I'm going to the tournament and I'm going to fight against him and scold him and get on to him." Um, but uh, he failed miserably, and uh, at the same time, um, after that, uh, Glad's kind of Pokemon, not Pokemon fairy. <laughs> I, 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 my joke died. I'm trying to let it die. Pikachu? Um, <laughs> Do you have Pikachu? Does Glad have Pikachu? No, he had a he had a uh, one of the one of the foxes. Um, oh, Eevee? Yeah, I don't think it was an Eevee because but yeah um it was a dark eevee the oh. the uh, sylveon or whatever uh um, vulpirion vulpirion yeah. yeah i cannot believe that came to my mind <laughs> but anyway um no his his dark wolf uh got uh leveled up turned around and said i refuse and turned into <laughs> the fairy queen and the fairy queen wait glad got the fairy queen 
yeah, Glad got the Fairy Queen, but said, but the Fairy Queen said, nah, I ain't doing that. I'm going to go with Earth because I'm gonna everything go, goes Basically, to Earth. that's what it sounds like is uh, he said, I'm going to fight uh, uh, so Earth. So th- is the play a thing like a, like, he just, he gets with all the fairies? Is like a playa? Or is this, he's a player, but it's just a play off of that. They just. I think it was it, it was kind of implying that all the fairies loved him. Okay, so he's a player. Okay, so there 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 was three harem. of them. Fairy harem. There was three of them. So they're all turning into cute girls, or are they just staying the animals? And it just fairy queen turns into a girl. I just I think fairy queen turned into a girl. Okay. But yeah, that's the other episodes that Andrew missed. That felt like five episodes, and I don't think I missed that many episodes, but I probably did. <laughs> that sounds exhilarating. I actually like it. I'm so glad I, that I don't things know got what more intense is. since I fa- finished watching it. I don't know. It kind of is bordering this edge of just kind of being this weird slow life type game uh, show that is kind of just working for me. Um, I kind of like the um, the weird finding weird ways of doing the things that nobody else likes. And that makes him not necessarily OP because he's definitely not. But it's definitely giving him this weird kind of niche that he's fulfilling in this game and i really do like that it's pulling that off um going into the weird uh fairy tournament i i didn't i didn't hate it it's just kind of this weird thing that they were doing and i like it it's it's doing different things with these i these ideas and i kind of like that it's pulling those off um can't say that much about a lot of the characters revolving around earth earth is fine in himself um, kind of wish that some of the uh, there there would be somebody to kind of offset him. Maybe uh, uh, the fairy queen will do that for him. Um, but at the, as as it stands right now, it's there's not a lot of chemistry around him. It, it's just Earth is kind of experimenting in weird ways and doing these weird things. And so far, I'm enjoying it. That's why I missed one episode, and legit one episode ended aired today, and Chris was on top of it. That's how devoted Chris was. An episode dropped today, and he hit that quick before today's podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, it made you feel like that was like three episodes I missed. I only missed two episodes. But no, I I don't like the show. I, I think it's 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 fine. But again, this is kind of one of those. Again, I'm going to say this a lot on our first impressions. Is I'm I'm planning on not watching quite a few shows this season, and this is definitely one of the ones where I'm looking at it and going. This or Apothecary Dyers, this or Ferrin, this or Overtake, this one or Miggy. There's so many other shows that I can think are going to give me so much more value than this show. Yes, if you're looking for a show where you just want to watch a guy break a game, I guess, and just have fun in another world, it definitely fits the build because it, literally the story is about a overworked 38-year-old wanting to have fun in another world. And, he's, and it obviously feels like everything in the world is breaking just for his pleasure, so why not? Um, but that's kind of where I think I have my difficulties in actually enjoying it. It's kind of one, again, one of those stories where I did all the useless stuff, but then it all ends up being extremely useful. And I'm, that's partly a storyline that I find to be kind of tired at this point. Oh, he's archer. Nobody does archery. Archery, he does a way that makes it overpowered. Oh, well, nobody uses this ability. Oh, nobody does crafting. No, nobody does potions and everything suddenly works for him. So I'm guessing, I don't know, maybe... Maybe his sister is um, is has a bro complex, and she works at the company, so she's making everything, I don't know, 
all the mechanics work around what he got. Oh, let's just make potions not work anymore. Oh, let's make it to where cooking like smells really good and people have the desire to pay a lot of money to eat digital food. Um, that was a weird one. I don't have an answer. Don't ask me. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess I get the whole idea that a VR system could be like implement smell o vision, but it's like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna spend my evening waiting in line to buy a I, I burger thought about from it. a guy in a virtual world. I thought about it for like five seconds, and I was <laughs> like, like nah. moving on, <laughs> moving on, go on to the I mean, queen. I mean, making Pokemon. the Pokemon, making making the the Karage for the Pokemon made sense. Uh, that that worked that for makes me. Sense the making it to where people are super into the, whatever he cooks didn't make sense i've thought about it for five seconds and moved on that was that was my other issue is like they have the whole thing with um again he chose the worst skills worst everything and then again the potion stuff happens supply and demand happens everybody is clamoring to him to make potions he got all his friends showing up and they're all helping him distribute and everything like that i was like that's cool and then the big mean guy in the starting zone shows up with gold armor, and he's super bad. He's pushing everybody around. Everybody's like, you know, don't get involved with him, you know, everything like that. Okay, fight me. Okay, suddenly Earth has, like, massive amounts of confidence that he's going to take out this dude in this crazy armor and everything. I think it's sort of implied the idea that the guy was all shown not really a good player, but it's like, where did he get that emphasis, and why did he get so much confidence out of nowhere that his useless kick skill... His wind attack and his bow was going to beat this. I think dude. the wind, the wind skill was supposed to be useless as well. Yeah. Now the he only told, thing he chose I everything figure... useless. It was the only yeah. one that was useful when he was fighting the rabbits. That's what I mean. It, the, the only reason I could give was maybe he wasn't expecting whatever it was that. Uh... Oh, he definitely caught the off guard. Yeah. So whether or not he shot him in the neck, yeah, that kick skill, <laughs> he wasn't expecting the kick skill for whatever reason. And it yeah. was, it which was, is supposed to be really weak. And that's why nobody right. uses it. But it's it, suddenly very useful. I don't know. It just felt weird. It was like, okay, he suddenly has a massive amount of confidence on this guy. Okay. He just shot him in the neck, whatever. He's OP main character using useless skills that are all useful. Uh, but yeah, that's just, it's not, the worst looking show, I think, for Maho Films, um, I ha I usually have zero expectations because they they make very, um, in my opinion, bad looking shows. And I don't think this it show was... is kind of a par with that, but not as bad as usual. I don't I know if it's gotten better yeah, or worse than three. I would say it was all that impressive. Yeah, so it's not gotten any better. I don't. I don't. I only expect it to go downhill from here because Maho Films typically does go downhill from uh, early episodes onward. So. I don't know. It's it's a it's a hard pass for me, but I I recommend it if if any of that sounds interesting. I mean, like I said, it's a, it seems like a chill show. Just I'm not in the mood for it, honestly. I'm not in the mood for another. I have a useless skill, but it's actually OP, and we hang out, and I'm OP. But yeah, it's a playthrough of a certain dude's VR MMO life. Check that out. If that's interesting to you. That was good. How many did we get out? One, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We got ten. Only set six more podcasts. <laughs> We're not doing seventy shows. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to figure it out. I think I, I think I came up with like forty-five or something like that. I think I would probably be checking out. So I think we'll probably knock it out in like three, four episodes. We'll see. Some some shows will be easier to go through and some won't. But um yeah. 
that's that's it for this first part or first impressions of the fall 2023 anime season. Um, you may all submit your comments on the Discord and stuff, blaming Chris for not being able to do Freren on the first episode of the first impressions. Directed to you. I seen you pop up on Discord the other day. I was like, oh, I, I'm not the only I person in popping. OS Brother. <laughs> I, I keep see popping the, in there. OS Brother is just always just me. And then I finally see Chris pop up there and I'm like, oh, I'm not the only one in the OS Brothers. I'm not alone up there. Uh, I'm just joking. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, otakuspirit.com. There's a link to our Discord. It's discord.com or discord.otakuspirit.com. Um, also in YouTube, the description there is a link to our Discord. Great community of people there. We're going to be starting our um, picks for the best of 2023 here soon. We're going to start off with winter season, go into fall, summer, and do a bunch of other stuff before we go into like the overall. So we like to get started early because we like to give people like a week or so to give their votes and stuff. But um, it's going to be a lot of fun. So become a part of the community before then. Otherwise, we'll kick your vote out. Some randos popping their lurkers, giving their votes and stuff. It's for our community only. It's a good way to prune too. Just do the at everyone and they just leave. They scurry like cockroaches. All the lurkers just scurry because they're tired mm -hmm. of seeing everyone notifications pop up. But yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, but again, we're at uh, talkerspirit.com. That's where all of our links are to our ways of support us as well, like Patreon, tips, links, all that good stuff. And become a member of the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash otakuspirit. Uh, but yeah, we greatly appreciate you guys' support and we hope you enjoyed and you all take care. Oos.